The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Headphones? No headphones? What do you want to do? What do I want headphones? Want to get crazy? For? You're fucking three feet from me. I like to listen to both sounds in my ears at the same time. I have like, I think I got a lot of wax built up in my ears, and I got fucking tinnitus now. Oh no! Yeah. How'd you get that? Um, I think I went to too many concerts in my life. Went to a lot of loud concerts as a teenager. Lead singer of ACDC. What's his name again? By Bar. What's it? Brian Johnson. Brian, yeah. He can't. Uh, he can't hear. His his hearing's fucked. He can't perform anymore. Yeah, I think uh, Pete Townsend also. Well, back in you know, you gotta think in the seventies, like no one knew anything. Right. They didn't know tinnitus. Football players didn't know about CTE. Right. No, no one knew about anything. Right. Right. And those poor guys would just fucking stand right there, bare ears. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think ACDC still has the world record for the loudest concert. Of course they do. Yeah. You ever been to an ACDC concert? No. I went to one in no. uh, in uh, Madison Square Garden one time. It was fucking crazy. I haven't been to a concert concert, like see a band in like an arena in forever. What's the last concert you went to? I'm trying to remember. I've seen like small shows. Like I saw Gary Clark Jr. out here. Oh, saw, really? Oh, man. Oh, wow. I saw him at his club, Anton's. Uh-huh. It was amazing. Wow. It was amazing. Cause we were like right there, like second row. Uh huh. That was dope. Yeah. But I mean, I don't. You know, it's like, it's inspiring to go see musicians, though. Especially like I don't have any. Um, do you play an instrument or anything? Yeah, I play guitar and harmonica. You, do you play guitar? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You good? No, I'm just like a chord guy. I don't. I don't jam. You just like it for fun. I've, it was very therapeutic when I first moved to LA. I started taking lessons at this place down the street, and I just found it was like one of these Zen things that got me out of my head. Mm. You sit there and yeah, just play fucking, you know, simple Stone songs and you mm-hmm. know Tom Petty shit. Where it's just simple three chord structures. Yeah, I would imagine it's like a lot of other difficult things where it requires all of your concentration so it becomes a like a, a bit of a meditation right yeah it really is and then my son started uh playing he started taking lessons when he was like 11 and so i play with him and he jams and i just play the i play the chords and he mm. and he shreds he's really good wow it's weird because he's a lefty in everything he does except for guitar he plays righty huh so he can really like so his his yeah, so his left hand really moves fast. Huh. Yeah. We haven't gotten high and played together. That's the next step. He's, he's, he'll be 21 soon. I think when he turns 21. Is that when you're going to get high with him, when he's 21? Yeah, why not? Does he know you get high? Yeah. And he, you know he gets high? Yeah. And you never decided to do it together? We took an edible before a movie one night, but then we didn't really <laughs> hang out. He gave me too much. I was just talking to Jamie about this. My tolerance for edibles is very low. Everybody's and is. So so he gave me like 10 milligrams, and I'm like a 5 milligram guy. And we watched a movie, and then afterwards we both just went, all right, good night. <laughs> <laughs> I pictured like the first time I get high with my son would be like kicking back, talking about, you know, son, I got, let me tell you what it's like to produce something from your loins, and it turns into something as beautiful as you. And, you know, I thought something it would be like this and existential, and it was like, good night. <laughs> Are you still living in Venice? Yeah. I'd be really weird- if I got high in Venice, I was thinking about how many people are camped out in front of my house with tents. 
just waiting for me to go to sleep. Yeah, yeah. I have a friend who was in Venice, and someone broke into his house and called the cops, and they said there's nothing we could do about it. Dude, it's 45 minutes to get a cop to respond to your house in Venice. It's fucking crazy. They said, did he steal anything? Mm-hmm. He has to steal something worth more than like $950 or something. There's like a number attached to it. But if someone just breaks into your house and you you come in your house and there's a guy rummaging through your drawers, if he hasn't stolen anything yet, the cops won't even arrest him. So you got to pull out a calculator and find your receipts like and if just he's trail got them? A, if he steals a stereo. Yeah. And it's like, a, okay, well, that's a $2,000 stereo. Yeah. Now we can bring him in and then immediately release him. No shit. That's it's a joke. Yeah. You see what's going on in San Francisco where guys are going into stores and just filling garbage bags up with stuff and then just walking right yeah, out. Yeah. And cops don't do anything. Security guards aren't allowed to do anything. Yeah. Like, Can what? you imagine being a security guard and you're getting paid fucking twelve dollars an hour and you're expected to take on people that they're living on the street and what they're stealing yeah. is literally what they're living off of. You gonna you gonna go toe to toe with them? They might have a fucking shank on them or something. They might have hepatitis. Right. They might bite you. Right? Yeah. Dude, last night I was walking over to uh, Kill Tony, and uh, holy shit, 6th Street is fucking nuts. I come around the corner. I've already seen somebody smoking crack. I saw two guys rolling joints just out in the open, and then I see these three homeless guys throwing garbage at a cop who's facing them off, and I'm just standing there watching like, all right, this this is on its way up. And so- the cop looked scared, and he pulled, finally pulled out his taser, and he goes, I'm going to tase you. And then the guy threw a fucking Coke can at his chest, and he goes, you're not going to tase all three of us. And they kept walking at him, and the dude fucking holstered his taser, and he called for backup, and he waited in the car. <sighs> the good old days before cell phones, there'd be three bodies right there. Good old days. <laughs> The old west, man, the way Texas used to be. Well, it's probably still that way if you go to like Waco or some shit. Yeah. Some yeah. wild. Actually, Waco is supposed to be. Waco has apparently been transformed by this uh, one couple that uh, has like a fix em up show, one of them home fix up shows, right? Yeah. Is it is it true? Because my wife and one of her lady friends was having this discussion. They were saying, Waco is amazing now because of blah, 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 blah. Really? And they've got this thing and they, they build houses and everybody goes there and it's really super cute. I mean, they've been doing the show long enough. They probably fixed every house in the city, but I don't <laughs> well, know. Well, apparently, like they've had a a, a real impact. That's on, amazing on that area. So yeah. that's what every urban sprawl needs is just one fix them up show. Fix them up shows. Those people love those shows. You yeah. see a shitbag house and someone buys it for like you know eighty grand, and they come in and start tearing walls down and putting right. this up, and, and then the end, it's done. Yay! Yeah, yeah. They love those shows. Well, because those shows are time lapsed. You don't see the right. fucking contract who doesn't show up because his aunt died for three weeks. Right. And then a fir- a, the tile you wanted is back ordered, and so you got to wait another three weeks. Yep. I mean, I I have avoided rent. We did one renovation in my house. And I was like, that's it. Be happy with what we got, honey, because I'm not going through that shit again. Life's too short. Yeah, they're rough. Renovations are rough. They take a long time. Yeah. But some people love it. They love doing it. People enjoy flipping houses. They buy a house and they live in chaos for a year (laughs) and then they sell it and they go do it again. I'm like, what is your life about? Are you fucking crazy? They like it. It's like that's their little hobby thing. Yeah. that's That's their little thing. They don't have... You know, they don't have other. Hey, Jamie, is the fan on in here? Those are the same Seems people like that not. get divorced every three years. 
They're constantly upgrading their life. Is it our buddy? Yeah. Those are the people that get right. Botox and divorce every three years. <laughs> There's a thing about dudes with Botox. I can't. If I see your forehead frozen, I can't talk to you, bro. No. You and I just don't. We, we're not going to see eye to eye on stuff. No, I am the. If I see this. Yeah. Huh, huh, you're smiling and this shit doesn't move at all. Yeah. Are you worried about lines? What are you, are you worried about these these things right here? What are you worried about? Yeah. What do you? Why are you botoxing your fucking forehead, man? Right. Especially if you're a comedian. <sighs> I I mean I I have laughed. You look at my face. Yeah. I've laughed a lot in my yeah. fucking life. Yeah. This shit. These shit. They're deep around. How many my male eyes. comedians you know of botox? Uh, I met a famous one recently. I'm not going to say his name, but he, he. I was I was shocked. Um, you know, I could see if you're if you're an actress. I guess it really is like life or death in terms of your career of getting getting your eyes touched up. Yeah, it's your whole face. If your face can't have lines, if you're an actress, yeah, it's weird. Like a guy can have that fucking Josh Brolin, like manly, right. Fucking aged, yeah. Like a like a like a nice Robert Redford leather jacket. Yep. Like it looks better that way. Hell yeah. 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 So a lot of these guys, they they actually look better when they're weathered. Yeah. You know, they look manly. You don't have any lines, really. Oh, you got some forehead lines. I got forehead lines. This is my uh, Fear Factor line, because I couldn't wear sunglasses, so I was outside <laughs> every day for fucking six years, squinting. <laughs> it's literally where it came from. If and you also watched, looking at guys going like, why are you doing is, this? What the fuck am I doing in my life? Plus, I was high every show, so, uh, you know, very puzzled. <laughs> And Dude, puzzled by my whole life. I remember when we were working on the Man Show together. What year was that? Two thousand three. Two thousand three. That's right, because my daughter was just born. I remember that she got born like a month before I started. Bro, that working was eighteen on that. years ago. Damn. Yeah, my daughter just turned eighteen. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Crazy. But I remember you coming from Fear Factor tapings, fucking high, and then we would <laughs> we would roll fatties. <laughs> And then, like, it was midnight before we started, quote-unquote, writing the jokes yeah. for the monologue. <laughs> and then Doug Stanhope was living in the fucking studios yep. because he was divorced from his, quote-unquote, wife that he'd married in some mystical Indian ceremony in the desert. <laughs> so they got divorced, and he had a clothesline. He had a clothesline because he used to wash his clothes in the yeah. sink and hang them up. He bought a fucking porta potty into... I don't know why. There was a bathroom, but he- They had a bucket they were pissing in. Oh, that's in, right. Remember? <laughs> Doug is such a nasty bastard. But he loved it. He was, yeah. uh, he oh, was he never happier. It. Well, you know, he loves where he's at now in Bisbee. Yeah. He, he loves living in that little small, weird, hippie artist community. Yeah. You know, just- I know Morgan Murphy around. goes out she there all the time. It. She, she loves, loves it. it. Yeah. Just being around those weirdos. Yeah. I'm doing for Chrysler loved there. it, too. Chrysler went, went out down there? there? Yeah, so did um, uh, Shane Gillis. He went out there, too. Wow. He spent like a month out there. No shit. Yeah. Damn. Beginning of COVID, you know, you're not going to get it there. Right, Fucking no right. one's going anywhere. I just picture there being a great local bar. They must There must be some watering holes in a town like that. There is, but there's also weird shit, too. Like, he's got some guy who bought a small piece of land right next to him so he could try to sell it to him. And then the guy's just doing like loud construction on it all the time and trying oh, to like muscle him into buying this piece of land. Mm. Yeah, it's not good. And then well, he's going to like have this house, if he builds it, that faces right into Doug's living room, yeah. staring at him. 
<laughs> Doug used to give out his fucking home address. He used to give out address his address. On I the know. podcast. Yeah. I go, Doug, there's a million people listening. Yeah. You're going to have at least 4,000 psychopaths show up at your house. And he would have crowds of people that would make the trek. They'd make the pilgrimage yeah. out to Bisbee to watch football games at his house. And he just let them in. Let them in. Wow. People just wandering out. After a while, he realized it was a terrible idea and he stopped doing it. Yeah. So now he doesn't do it anymore. And is he still with that uh, girlfriend? Bingo, yeah, yeah. She's great. Yeah, she's she's a lovely, mm. lovely lady. Mm. He's got a good thing going on there. He, he's It's his vibe, you know? Like, he's got his vibe locked in. And Doug's never been a big city guy, and he's like a... He likes to think about shit. He likes to have cocktails and sit around, smoke cigarettes, and think about stuff and yeah. riff. Right. And because he doesn't go to open mic nights, like, his open mic night is kind of like riffing, uh-huh. just talking shit and, like... Now he does a podcast. He does that podcast on a regular basis, and that's what he does. Sits there with a cocktail, and he just, what the fuck is this? And he just starts talking about stuff, and that's where he gets a lot of his material. Yeah. Puts together enough ideas, and then, you know, he writes a lot, too. Yeah, he's a writer. A real writer, yeah. Yeah, he's probably put out as many comedy specials as anybody. Yeah. I mean, he's probably got 20 at this point. Yeah, they're all well thought out, and they all... I mean, his structure of his rants are really like classic structure. He gives you the idea, mm-hmm. and then he goes in different directions with it, and then he fucking land- he sticks the landing on all of them. You know what he told me? Really great piece of advice. He said he looks at his own material as if he's like a prosecuting attorney. Like mm. he's prosecuting his material, mm. like looking for flaws in it. Right. I mean, that's a great idea. I, I look at it like a hater. Which is kind of a similar thing. Yeah. I was like, how would a hater look at this bit? Uh-huh. Like, if someone really wanted to, like, because you know, you can get sloppy with a bit. Yeah. Like, we've all had bits before. We're like, oh, that one wasn't that good. Mm. It's like, there's, it's too, you know, I've had bits where I was like, I'm too, uh, Tom calls them dance moves. Like, I used to call it English, too much English on the cue ball, spinning yeah. around for no reason. Yeah. It's like a lot of, like, you're acting up. But it's like, you really should just rewrite it. Right. Like, got a good premise there, but maybe you had like one initial approach and you stuck with that initial approach and you never really revised it. Right. Sometimes you just got to like redo a bit, like like a tear down of a house. I feel like that happened with the pandemic as I had a sheet full of new jokes that I was doing. And there is something that's sticky about the first idea you have on a premise. You know, it's like... If, it, if you did it the first time, there's something in you goes, oh, then that's the way it goes. But with the pandemic, I came back to some of these bits, and I didn't even remember how they went. And then I started doing them a different way, and I was like, oh, no, this is a better way than that. I'm glad I forgot the first version of this bit. Mm, yeah, that is good. Sometimes you can have it. If you forget how to do it, you'll do it better. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to go yeah. back. I have my comedy notebooks going back to when we started. I mean, I have a, I have a, uh, two giant fucking crates in my office with old comedy notebooks. And once in a while, I go back and I look at some old shit and I go, wow, that was a good fucking premise. Bad joke, but I got <laughs> but some good premises in here. Yeah, because in the beginning, like, you're not good enough to handle a good premise. Right. Did you ever do Owen Smith's show? Do you know Owen Smith had a notebook show? Oh, no shit. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did it. It was hilarious i pulled out a notebook from like 91 it was terrible wow oh my god i had written in like uh ad libs like to the audience <laughs> oh it was so embarrassing this was... is my nice shirt page <laughs> <laughs> no it's like i had written in so is that you buddy you know what i'm talking about like that kind of shit like oh it was so awful all right 
or, or a note, uh, look at one person and go, the, and explain joke. That was the classic <laughs> thing. All the old time comics used to do that. They they would yeah. do a joke and then explain it slowly to one person, and yeah. it killed every time. What was that one guy? There was a guy, Mike Moto. Take yes. my rice, please. Mike Moto. Take my yeah. rice, please. I went and I saw Mike Moto, and it, uh, he did like an ad. Li- I was sitting in the front row. This is before I'd even done stand up because I was like thinking about doing it. And uh, we went to play it against Sam's. Remember oh, play it against yeah, Sam's? Yeah, and I was, yeah, I was with my girlfriend. We we're sitting in the front row, and he uh, said something about me having an erection. Like he had this, like this, you know, this ad lib. It wasn't really an ad lib, but he would work the crowd with this yeah. thing. Like, and this guy, look at him over here. He's got an erection. I was like. Oh, what are you saying? Yeah. And then I realized, oh my God, comics lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, this is crazy. Right, so right. They just, they just find a person, and that becomes the person they lie about. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I was like, I was trying to piece it together. You know, one of the first comics I ever saw live? Who? Tom Cotter. No shit. Saw Tom Cotter at um, uh, what was the Paradise next to Stitches? Stitches. Paradise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him at the Paradise. It was uh, the the contest, the Boston oh, comedy, the comedy riot. riot. Yeah, he was in the comedy riot. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I saw him there. Tom Cotter was a fucking rock solid joke writer, performer. I mean, he was a guy. He was definitely got to learn from. You know, early on, he's the guy that like, you know, had a rhythm, had a cadence. You know. I remember he used to do the sack walk. <laughs> yes. We would go to parties. Yep. And Tom would pull his sack out. And just have his balls, only his balls, hanging out of his pants. Yeah. And just act completely casual and go walking around and talking to people. Yeah. And then you'd be having a conversation with him and you just go, hey, <laughs> what the fuck is going on, man? Why are, your, why are your balls out? Dude, we used to do it as a contest of who could leave theirs out the longest at these parties. <laughs> and like, and, and it was, uh, and then there was also, do you remember a guy, Mike McDonald? Yeah, sure. Long Mike hair. McDonald was fucking great. Me, him, and Rich Seisler used to hang out, and we would come up with these crazy bets. And me and Seisler played pool one time, and uh, we, would, we would shoot these long fucking tournaments, and then we would have these bets. And the bet was there was going to be a party that night at Rita, at Rita Choice's house. And Shannon was... Remember Shannon? She yeah. passed away. No. Yeah. She just passed away. What? Yeah. Anyway, so we we go to there. She, she's not old. I no, mean. she was you know fifty three years old or something. Why am I forgetting her last name? I think she had a brain thing, it's a oh. freaky freaky thing. Um, so the bet was it was a party at Rita's, Rita and Shannon's place, and uh, whoever lost was not allowed to talk at the party, and you could not <laughs> explain why you were not talking. You couldn't mime it. You couldn't write it down. You had to just stand there and not talk. Oh no! So I fucking whooped his ass. Oh, and then we went there, and then he just kept standing there smiling, and people were like, "Hey, what's up, Rich?" And he would just nod, and they go, "What's going on?" And he would just nod, and, we, and, we, and you had to stay for at least half an hour. <laughs> and we're standing there doing that. Cotter's got his ball sack out. <laughs> Mike McDonald was a funny guy. Mm. He's a really funny guy. Good writer. He had a good cadence good too. Yeah, real he good did. cadence, you know. Yeah, and he had like uh, a local cable access show way before, way before people were doing stand up com- before evening at the Improv and all those strip shows that they mm. were doing with stand up comics. He had one that I think it was called Mike's Playhouse or Treehouse or something. I remember that. And he would do a monologue every week. It was on like WGBH, the local cable access show. 
He would do a monologue. He would have on like Don Gavin or Steve Sweeney. They would do their five minutes. And then he would do like a sketch. It was fucking great. Wow. He's one of those guys that if he had left Boston, he could have he done big things, I think. There's a lot of those guys. Yeah. A lot of those guys, they just got locked in. I think Gavin could have been one of the greatest comics of all time. Of all time. Of all time. Yeah. When we saw him, we were both 21, and we were at Stitches. I remember there's many times that I saw him, like, I'm like, why am I doing comedy? Why don't I just quit? I'll never be that good. That guy's so good. And so good that- Throwaway um, lines. Throwaway lines, and, and a guy who you can't not start sounding like if you watch him too much. It's like right. David Tell in New York. Right, 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 right. It's right. like so many people started sounding like Don Gavin. You know, Wendy Liebman, Tom Cotter. A lot of people had that throwaway style. You couldn't not look at it and go, oh, this is the way you have to do stand-up comedy. Right. It was so dominant in that way. It was that was one of the more interesting things is like watching guys reclaim the stage because you'd have specific styles that were so effective. It was hard for the audience to get out of that person's head and into another person's head. Yeah, you know, like Sweeney was a great example. Yeah, because Sweeney was it would, he, uh, he's like, oh man, one of the most. He was one of the most hilarious comedians, but also one of the most local. Yeah. It was almost like he had a magic trick mm -hmm. that wouldn't work when you went to New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. Like as soon as you went to Connecticut, it would drop off like 50%. If you went to New York, it was ineffective. And if you came to LA, it was nothing. Nothing. It just yeah. didn't work. Th right. Those Boston jokes, yeah. jokes about being in Boston. But if he was in Saugus, yeah. Jesus Forget Christ, it. the fucking walls would be rattling. Forget it. Like you see the chandelier shaking. Yeah. Like he was a monster. Yeah. That's why when the guy came out, the guy from The Tonight Show came out, he'd heard this when, when, you know, Johnny was starting to have comics blow up. And he'd heard about all these guys. It was probably in the early 80s. The Ding Ho days, right? The Ding Ho, exactly. Yeah. And and the guy who was, God, I'm forgetting the guy's name. He used to run The Tonight Show. But he said, all right, I got to go see these guys. So he flies flies back to Boston. He was actually from Boston. So he came home and he went to the Ding Ho and, and these killers show up. And they're all in the back and they're doing lines and they're fucking <laughs> drinking Jack and they go up one after the other and they're doing jokes about, yeah, so you go to Revere and the accent's like, and, and the guy's sitting there going like, oh, Jim McCauley was his name. And he goes, how the fuck am I going to put these guys on The Tonight Show? Right. And then up walks Stephen Wright, who mm -hmm. was like the redheaded stepchild in the Boston comedy scene because he was not aggressive. He was not like killing the way these guys would kill. But he went up and he was doing his deadpan Stephen Wright. And Jim McCauley lit up and he goes, what are you doing next week? Flies him out. He does the Tonight Show. Annihilates. Johnny's head is on the desk and he's pounding it with his fist. <laughs> and he invited him back the next week to do another spot. Wow. And in that first year, he did like six Tonight Shows and he became he legendary. Yeah. You know, got the HBO. And all these guys are back. And I was going, fucking... That kid, I told I, fucking Sweeney told him to stop doing stand-up. He goes, pal, you're a friend. I got to do you a favor and just tell you, it's not going to work out, guy. Yeah. Wow. That's all documented in that uh, When Stand-Up Stood Out film. Fran right. Salamita's movie. Fran Salamita's movie, yeah. Which is a great movie. Mm -hmm. A great movie for comics, too. I mean, even from any place to I see. I think it's on Netflix, yeah. Is it? Yeah. It's a great movie for comics to see what happens to a community when it gets sort of co-opted too, because it got co-opted by the idea of success. Like they all got kind of like weird with each other. Right. Because like when Stephen Wright made it, a lot of guys were like, "When's my turn?" Right. Like what the fuck? Yeah. You know that's a thing with like 
certain comics when another comic blows up like you see the fucking resentment yeah you, know, you see the weirdness you know yeah, right well with some and with others there's like real excitement that the brand of boston is is going big right. you know there's definitely like I, I mean i think in our class of guys that came up i felt i felt nothing but support i don't remember there being we had a good class yeah we did yeah. we had you know mike mike mccarthy Mike McCarthy, the he, comedy barbarian. He's he's doing it. I Where's just he saw at? his picture. He's in Boston. He is. Yeah, I just saw I just saw his picture on an ad for one of the Boston clubs. I think Laugh Boston, maybe. Wow. Yeah, Laugh Boston. That's a good spot. It is a good spot. And uh, what's the scene like now? What else they got? Well, it's Laugh Boston's at the heart of it. John Tobin's got rooms in Boston. He's got one in Worcester, Springfield. I think he I think he does the the comedy tent down there in uh, in the Cape. So. It's strong. There's good, strong local comics. There's a lot of guys that, uh, oh, I'm forgetting this one guy. There's, there's guys that are really fucking killers, like the new generation of That's killers that are there. Hear. And, you know, guys like Robbie Prince that are still there. And, um, you know, they're, they're, the, they're the big new guys. and Not the new guys. They're the, they're the legends now. Right. They're the ones that the young guys are looking up to. Is Robbie in Boston or is he living in New Hampshire? Wasn't he living oh, in New I'm Hampshire? Oh, I'm not sure. Oh, is he? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, that's good to hear though that there's a new up and coming crop. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Because there was a, a pause for a while where there wasn't a lot of guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was like Burr and Patrice and a few other guys, and then there was a bit of a a lull where people weren't coming out of there. Yeah, yeah. I think it. Um, I think it really dried up, and 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 then Tobin opened up that club, and it, it kind of brought things back again. Mm. Oh, and also like. Hear. Yeah, and then social media. I think it just allowed it allowed comics to to make a name for themselves in Boston. You know, um, spacing this one guy who I follow who's really funny. Um, I'm so fucking bad with names now. It's too many names in your head. Yeah, Dunbar's number. You know that, right? What's that? 150 people. Keep 150 people in your head. Oh, that's the Rolodex? Yeah, it goes back to like when we lived in tribes. Yeah. Like you have room in your head for intimate friendships or relationships with 150 people. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It's controversial. Some people think you can get up to 200. Yeah. But there's a number where mm -hmm. it just, you blur out. And you know, you and I have way past those numbers. Our, yeah. Our fucking heads are clogged up. I mean, we know <clears throat> 200 plus comedians, easy. And then regular people that you know. Yeah, and you have to remember that when you expect people to remember you. You yeah. know, it's a, it's very. I really go out of my way to never walk up to somebody and go like, uh, "Hey, man, you don't remember me?" I'm always like, "Hey, man, Greg Fitzsimmons, we met." Yeah, and yeah. then they go, "Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I, I just want to make sure. Right, right. I don't want to be that guy because that is the worst fucking feeling when you don't Some remember people somebody. Get upset. Yeah. yeah, they get upset and. And they have no right to be upset because you don't know. I, th this world is fucked up because there's people like you that have photographic memories. I mean, your your recall of facts and like scientific terms and shit like that is uncanny. And that's not fair to people like me who have just sieves. Everything goes right through my fucking head. And you know what? I'm smart too, Joe. I believe it. But I don't remember shit. I remember things that I care about. I don't remember everything. Yeah. There's, but things that are important to me, I remember. Yeah. Like important facts and information. and But there's a lot of shit that slips through, too. Yeah. I'm just, I'm worried that as I get older, I'm going to get dumber. Uh-huh. You know, I'm not sure if that's happening, but I'm always paranoid. I'm always paranoid that I'm going to get dumber. I have moments yeah. where I feel like, oh, everything's firing great. Right. And then I have other days. It, it's completely dependent upon sleep. 
Sleep is huge. God damn it. If yep. I sleep three or four hours and then I go out and I do stuff, I'm I'm 50 IQ points lighter. Right. I'm a dingbat. I, I can't remember shit. Yeah, they say diet is really important too. Like there's certain things that are great for your brain, like avocados are great for your brain. Oils. Um, yeah, yeah, oils, like essential salmon, fatty acids. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> yeah, a lot of stuff is brain food. Right. Yeah, and fats. Then, your and brain then, works on ketones too. Key, where do you get ketones you from? You can get them, exogenous ketones, but ketones are essentially when your body's burning fat. That's what a ketogenic diet is. Mm-hmm. There's a, a lot of people feel like they have a better um, cognitive response, like their brain works better when they're on a ketogenic diet. Have you ever done that? Keto? You, yeah. Yeah. It's annoying. I did it for two weeks, and I was like, yeah, I, can't, well, do I this. can't do this anymore. Well, you can't do it if you go on the road. You can, but it's annoying. Yeah. It's just like, you know, I like other stuff right that's the problem i like food yeah you know if you that's like one of the things i enjoy yeah like and so now all i'm eating is like fats yeah just here just fucking i, I have a friend who was uh he was drinking uh half and half or uh like cream like heavy cream uh-huh like he sat here on the podcast my friend kyle, <laughs> kyle really? kingsbury yeah he had a fucking a pint of heavy cream he brought on the podcast Jesus. and i'm like what are you doing you drink that and he's like yeah it's a good source of fats damn a ketogenic diet I'm like, wow he's chugging down heavy fucking cream <laughs> 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 and then you just fart and shit all I got day. into drinking ketones for a while. I was taking exogenous ketones. Like I'd have them shipped to me, and you have to refrigerate them, and these little containers, you open it up, and it, it tastes like like Satan's ball sweat, like you're yeah. downing this stuff. You're like, right. But it's good for the brain. It's actually- yeah. The other thing that's good for the brain is like crosswords and like- uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, like every day I do I do uh, Sudoku on my computer, speed Sudoku. I do oh, it as yeah? fast as I can. Like uh, I can, I've I did one in a minute and forty seconds one time. Whoa! And that's how I get my like, before I do anything in the morning. I just like rip through like fifteen minutes of those. It makes sense that your brain is basically like everything else. If you use it, it gets better, right. or at least you maintain it. Yeah. And if you don't, it atrophies. Like and trying else. new things is really important. Learn, mm-hmm. Learning a new language. Like dur- during mm-hmm. the pandemic, I went back and I started uh, learning French again. Because I studied it in high school and college. And, you know, I'm low functioning. And so I was like, fuck it. I'm not going to learn a new language. Let me go back with like an adult brain and try to tackle French. Dude. I don't remember shit. Like I, this stuff does not stick with me the way it used to. Mm. It's hard, but it's but you got to do it. Do you ever take any nootropics? No. N- nutrients for the brain? No. Oh no, that's not true. Well, I take um, you recommend it, and I take it every day. Is these uh, these mushrooms? Um, what are they called? Um, lion's mane. Yeah, lion's yeah, mane. Yeah, lion's mane. Good for take the brain. it every day. Yeah, that stuff's good. It's got some neuro regenerative properties. Um, Another one that's good is that gum that we have over there, that uh, neuro gum. I like that stuff. Uh-huh. That's what I was chewing when I got in here. The good thing about that is like it's real easy. You just pop a couple of sticks of gum. It actually tastes good, freshens your breath a little bit, and it's yeah. got theanine in it and a little bit of caffeine and a couple other nootropics in it. Yeah. Yeah. We have some new shit. I'll give you a jug of our new uh, Alpha Brain. We got a new Alpha Brain black label. Oh, yeah? It's fucking potent. It's oh. good shit. Right. I like that a lot. Nice. Yeah, that's that's something that I take before every UFC. Because every, UFC is big for like memory 
And I have to remember fights from fucking decades ago. Yeah. I have to remember positions and moves. Right. And then when it gets to weird scrambles, I have to be able to explain things like what's in jeopardy while dudes are strangling each other. <laughs> and like what's the, the right arm? He's got to get the right arm through yeah. there and grab this. And, I, you know, yeah. sometimes I haven't been in that position in like a long time. And I have to go, okay, how does that work? Like what? Which which arm does he have to cinch it up with? And I actually think forget. about that sometimes when I see you calling a match. Is like, how the fuck do you stay sharp when you're not doing it every week? Because you got you know, you got guys that that call baseball games or even football games are once a week. They're regularly fucking juicing their mind with. Well, these the thing facts. is, I watch it every day. Okay. When I go to the gym, like I'm working out of my house, I either watch John Wick or I watch fights. Oh no, shit. <laughs> Really? I watch Keanu Reeves kill a bunch of people, <laughs> or I, I watch fights. Like, there's something about, like, even, like, it's just on in the background. Yeah. You know, just, like, the the but watching fights is big yeah. because uh, I watch different scenarios and it's a, a lot of it is pattern recognition like you see certain things that people are doing you see how the other person's responding to it and yeah you know you see things that work and don't work right, right. and then martial arts is so weird because like especially mixed martial arts because there's so many different styles that are involved yeah it's like one style will work on one person, but it'll be completely ineffective on another person. Yeah. It's weird. But you see it like a chess match. Like, I see you call a fight before it fucking happens. You'll be like, he's going to get a, he's got, he's got the arm, but I don't know the moves, but like, yeah. you, you can tell when a guy is about to line up a move on somebody else. Yeah. You see how, but that is a specific thing that I don't think you can do. I don't think you can call jujitsu unless you do jujitsu. It's right. too complex. Yeah. It's like I don't play chess and I, I know how the pieces move, mm -hmm. but I don't play it. Yeah. So I can't like if I see someone moving, I go, Where are they going with that? Oh Yeah. I didn't see that. Right, right. right? So right. it's the same thing with jujitsu. Like you yeah. have to know the actual sport, I think. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe it's someone could prove me wrong, but I've never seen a commentator that can call jujitsu that doesn't practice jujitsu. Striking is a little different. Like there's some good boxing commentators that don't box. Yeah. But you basically have two weapons. Two weapons that work in different ways. But it's a left and a right. So you know you have different variations. Like some guys have like stutter moves and some guys have like a pity pat style and some guys just throw bombs. There's all sorts of different ways to use those two weapons, but you have a left hand and a right hand. And that's it. Yeah. But with jiu-jitsu, you got leg locks and arm bars and mm -hmm. shoulder locks and spine locks and twisters right. and fucking knee bars and footholds. And yeah. it's like you're, it's a tangle of limbs when people right. go to the ground. You right. know? And still there's a lot of shit that I don't I – don't, I don't, like my leg lock game is pretty weak. So when I see guys on the ground and they're, they're going after the legs, that's one that I have to really think hard about like what's what's in danger and what's not in danger. Because you can't put yourself in their position as I kind of can, but not like I can with like upper body techniques. Yeah. Because the leg lock game kind of came around – really got really strong in like the 2013, 14, 15, like around then up until 21. When I really stopped rolling every day was around that time. So mm -hmm. that's like right around when the leg lock game became big in competition jujitsu. Right, right. That's a complex, that's super complex. Like do you see guys like attacking and counterattacking, going back and forth and scrambling. You're like, Jesus, and trying to call those. 
Yeah. That's where there's like next level commentary. Like, you know, you watch like jujitsu commentators. They're a completely next level than mm-hmm. me when it comes to that. Yeah. That's interesting about uh, not having. Pl- I was trying to think of a commentator that wasn't an athlete, and that guy, Joe Buck, his father was a big sports commentator growing up. And he never played, as far as I know, I don't think he played sports, but he grew up watching them and watching his father call them, and he's the best in the business. What does he commentate on? He does everything. Uh, football, I'm sure he does baseball. Um, what else does Joe Buck do? He, he's, he's the guy. But his, he, he's supposed to have a talk show career, but he got derailed by Artie Lang. HBO gave him his own talk show, and Artie came on in the first episode and just fucking co-opted the show. And he he just shit on Joe Buck on his own show and Joe couldn't handle it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I remember that. And the show got canceled like a week later. (laughs) That was heroin using Artie Lang. Yeah. yeah. Artie was wild. Yeah, that was was Artie showing up with no shoelaces and his high tops and a jean jacket that was misbuttoned. And if he didn't have respect for you, he's just gonna fucking steamroll you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Has anybody heard from him? Yeah, I think he's doing good. I checked on him a couple weeks ago. Not doing any stand up. I don't think he's doing stand up. No, he's he. If you want to talk to Artie, you got to call another guy because who's the guy? Um, I forget the guy's name, but it, he's trying to weed out people that'll be a bad influence. Wow. And I get through so because fragile. I'm uh, sober, you know, or I'm yeah. not. I, I don't drink anyway. I um, did a podcast with Artie in New York. I used the Legion of Skanks. Uh, podcast studio uh-huh. in New York. It was fucking amazing. It was yeah. one of the best podcasts I've ever done. Really? His, he was completely sober. His stories were Dude, amazing. There's nobody better he's at so telling funny. stories. He's so funny. He's, he's incredible. Got hand gestures he does when yeah. he's telling the stories. He yeah. just riveted. Yeah. He's got a great, gives you a fucking great laugh. Yeah. Generous laugher. Oh, oh such he's a the good best. Guy. Yeah. He's, I did, I, I wrote on Crashing for a couple seasons and he was on, he was on it and, uh, he was just like, he would show up on set and he would think, all right, this guy's a fucking mess. His hair is, he looked like fucking Jim from Taxi. He'd show his hair all over the place late. But man, he fucking knew his lines. And then, when, and then you know, they would always ask for improv. That was kind of like the way we shot the show is like, all right, let's, let's get what's in the script. And then after we get that, then we'll let the actors play with it. And he would always take it to another level. He was just like, just fucking... Just great comedic mind. Did you ever do Kirby Enthusiasm? No. That I would love to be a fly on the wall of that show because yeah. apparently what Larry David does is like there's a direct. This is where we have to get to. We have to get to like, for instance, the air conditioning's broken. It's hot in here. Yeah. We got to call the guy that fixes the air conditioning. I don't right. want to call him. You call him. Yeah. That's the thing. And yeah, you, you, and then they work it through. Yep. And like, so he's got like. A rough framework, yeah. But he just and so it seems so real, yeah. When he's doing it, and it's in the casting, he brings people in, like you know um, uh, Richard Lewis. Yeah. Who, who would have thought Richard Lewis? But like he's perfect, perfect, perfect. He's just so in. He's so like has captured his own voice, and his relationship with Larry is so perfect. And uh, what's what's the name of the guy who died? Dave Dave Osborne. Oh, Super Dave. Super Dave was fucking Yeah, he was great. great. He was great. You know what was great that I don't know what happened to him was Crazy Eyes Killer. Who's that? You never saw that episode? No. It was one of the best episodes ever, like a a tear-inducing, can't-breathe episode where there was this rapper 
His name was Crazy Eyed Killer. Uh-huh. And he, do you remember that episode? Mm-hmm. What happened to that guy? He's just an actor, I think. Looking was he? God yeah. damn, he's good. Yeah. He and was J- so good. And J.B. Smooth. Oh, my God, J.B. Smooth. I mean, I, I think that that little run he did about, you got to- Yeah, his. <laughs> He was a rapper, and and, and, you know, and Larry and him had some unusual relationship. Uh Season three, but that that was two thousand two, maybe. Was it? (laughs) Yeah. God damn! It won an award like nineteen ninety nine for best. God damn! Something. And are they still doing? Yeah, yeah. They just they're uh, they had just announced that Richard Lewis wasn't going to be available, but he now is. So they're starting to film soon or something. That's the thing when you have as much money as Larry David is, you can just do whatever you want to do, like creatively. Doesn't uh, he still drive a fucking Prius too? Drives a Prius. Well, he he moved to that little BMW. You know those tiny BMWs, oh, electric ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's driving one of those now. But I see him sometimes. I play in these golf tournaments in LA. Then he he comes out. He fucking loves to play golf. Drives his car. He's the kind of guy, if you bump into him at an airport and people talk to him, he's like in it, like connects, talks mm. to people. Um, but uh, yeah, and then what I like about the show is he doesn't hide that he's a billionaire. It's a sitcom. Usually sitcoms, it's like the whole mandate from the network is you got to be broke. You got to be struggling to follow your dream. You got to be blue collar. Otherwise, people aren't going to connect. How about this? How about we give you a billionaire who's famous, who doesn't need anything. There's his little car. Who doesn't need I mean, any JB of his smooth. needs met, and then, and then you, uh, and then you just see what what would happen if you're just neurotic for no reason. <laughs> uh, just fucking great. <clears throat> and you see that, like, I think it was very vindicating that you realize looking back that Seinfeld was all him. It was a lot of him. That's I, I for shouldn't damn say sure. all of him. It was obviously it was a lot, a lot of him. too. But like, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. He's just got this absurd sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. But JB Smooth's speech about you got to get in that ass, Larry. You got to get in that. Ass. I mean, that's probably the most famous scene from that history of that show. Oh. <sighs> uh, so, you ever had him on JB? No. He's Last a time good I ran guest. into him was at the UPS store. I have a great JB Smooth story, but unfortunately, I told it many times. Uh, I we were late going to a gig. Both of us got lost. Some weird gig in New Jersey. Yeah. And I was supposed to headline. He was supposed to open, but he was really late. And I sat in the green room and I watched this horrible documentary about uh, the Malibu fires. Uh-huh. All these people crying. This kids calling out for her dog. It was awful, awful. Yeah. Just cinders of burning buildings and shit. And then they came in and said, "Look, JB's not here, so we're just going to open up with you." And I'm like. And I went on stage and just ate shit. Oh. Ate shit. So sad. <laughs> I went on stage sad. Watching people calling out for their dog. Rusty, where are you, Rusty? It was so, it was so awful. And I, I recognized then. I mean, I didn't you know You should have stopped better. 10 minutes in your set and gone, it's Rusty. Ah. <laughs> Dude, I was so green. I was like three years in a comedy. Yeah. I was terrible. Yeah. And I, I couldn't. There was no chance, like, if things went bad, they just went bad. Yeah. There's no pulling out. Right. There's no, like, Meow, we almost hit the mountain. No, I'm going right into that fucking mountain, right. and I'm going to die a fiery yeah, death. Yeah, yeah. Those Our, days were rough, man. Dude, I did a college show when I was not that far in, and it was, uh, no, I guess I'd been doing it for a while, but it was the day of the Columbine shooting, and I was in a hotel in Ohio doing some fucking small school, and I'm sitting there on the edge of my bed, like my bag is half unpacked, and I'm sitting on the edge of the bed watching CNN going, this is fucking brutal, and I'm, and I'm waiting for a phone call about canceling the show. Like, there's no way we're doing this fucking show. This is at a school where, you know, 
And they go, no, we're going to do the show. And so I get there and I'm like, all right, this is fucking crazy. And, and they had about, you know, 15 people showed up. Mm. And then the student activities director goes up on stage before me and she goes, before we start the show, I think we all are aware of what happened today. And I thought we should have a moment of silence for no! the students that died in Columbine. And everybody puts their heads down. People are fucking crying. And now here's Greg Fitzsimmons. <laughs> Oh and you know those God. college shows, man. If you don't do your sixty minutes, they don't give you the check. And I just went up there, and I just remember, oh, it was nothing. There was no doing an act. We just, I just started talking out my act and just watching that clock tick on that back wall, minute by minute, waiting to get that fucking twelve hundred dollars. <laughs> Was it one of them that you had to send the check in, and then they sent you a check back? Oh like, yeah, an agency. Yeah, it goes to the agency yeah. first. Yeah, and, and then they, you have to wait. And yep. hopefully they pay you. Yep, yep. And then the uh, I had a, an agent in Chicago, uh, Bass Schuler. It's now what, yeah, Bass Schuler is the agency, and they got a letter sent to them one time. I did a high school prom show in Iowa. And it was uh, oh Jesus. Well, I was doing a bunch of colleges, and then they called me up and they go, "Well, there's a high school prom. You got a night off on Tuesday, and there's a high school prom that's on your route. Do you want to do it?" And I was like, "The fuck do I care? Yeah, I'll do a high school prom." So I show up, and it's like in in one of these like corn-fed Midwestern small towns where like they all went to church on a bus before the prom started. And so, oh and now I just show up and they, the, you know, they're all on the dance floor and they stop it and they go, all right, now we're going to have a comedian. And I go up and it was like, what was the movie where they weren't allowed to dance? And then all of a sudden, like they're dancing. It was like Footloose with comedy. <clears throat> I get up there and they fucking loved it. But I was dirt. They told me to be clean, but you know, I yeah. was relatively clean. I thought. <laughs> and so I do the show and then I get a letter sent to me, uh, sent to my agent to, to uh, Scott Bass, and it was uh, from the principal, Dr. Dave Nixon, and he said that I had corrupted the values of the town. Because <laughs> I talked about doing cocaine, and I invited them to my motel for a keg after the show. <laughs> and I talked about having sex with my grandmother, which were all taken out of context. Right. It was all, they were So you jokes. were probably like 23? Yeah. And, and so, they were like 1920, so they're basically your peers. Yes, yes. And so then I, so I get the letter, and I start reading it on stage. <laughs> and I, and I ended up doing uh, a Comedy Central special where I read the letter on stage, and I sent a videotape of it to the guy at the school. It was Emmitsburg Senior High School in Emmitsburg, Iowa. Well, you wrote a book, Letter to Mrs. Fitzsimmons. Yes, yes. That was in it. I put that letter in the book. <laughs> Greg wrote a whole book on letters that his his mom got from him being an asshole. Arrest, you know, arrest, uh, you know, receipts from the police station, um, uh, letters from principals, bad behavior reports, and then it went through high school. And the beauty of it is the letter ends with my, my asshole kids getting letters sent home. And so the last chapter of the book is me printing letters I'd gotten about them. <laughs> and they would like mirror the exact shit that I was doing when I was a kid. I remember there was a story um, I, I'd heard secondhand from a gig that you did in New Hampshire, where it was one of those gigs where they told you don't drive at night because there's so many moose on the road that you might die. <laughs> and you get there and you fucking, they said this is a clean show. You can't swear. Like the first word out of your mouth is fuck. Yeah. 
and they, they sent you home immediately. Yep. And you, you had to drive home on this fucking moose-infected moose. highway. <laughs> Well, there's like a real chance that you could die. <laughs> and the worst part is Mike McDonald, that comedian, set me up at the gig. And it was a, it was called the Bal- Balsams Hotel. And it's this famous, it's like The Shining. It's one of those old, beautiful mm. hotels. And they had a golf, and I'm a big golfer. And they have a golf course that's world class. And like gourmet dinner, big room, the whole thing. And I, I got my fucking golf clubs. I've already unpacked them. When I got off stage, I they said, don't, don't use the F word. So I walked on and I go, so they said I can't say fuck. At that point, they sent somebody to my room, packed my shit, and had it waiting for me when I got off stage. And they're like, you're done. How many days are you supposed to be there? Just overnight, but then I was supposed to play golf the next day. They set me up with a day. Uh. And Mike McDonald was so fucking pissed at me. He's like, man, I put my neck out for you. You do this to me. <laughs> you ever have to fight for not getting paid on a gig? Uh, well, there was one time where I didn't get all the money. And the the guy, it was a mob run room in New Haven, Connecticut. Oh, I remember that. Remember Joker's that room? Wild. Yeah, yeah. And yep. he goes, hey, you're lucky you're getting anything. Yeah. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Uh, this That guy, the guy who ran it, John, I saw him beat a guy with his shoe. He pulled his shoe off, and you know, the wooden heel of his shoe, like a dress shoe, was beating the guy in the face like no fucking shit. Joe Pesci from Goodfellas. Beating him in the face with his shoe. Really? Blood everywhere. I mean, a, a shoe, like the bottom of a shoe, you could fuck somebody up with it. Damn. And apparently he knew this. It was because it wasn't like the first time he beat somebody with a shoe, I don't think. Wow. I don't think he just. So he had his shoe off in his hand, and he's beating this guy in the face with his shoe, and blood splattered. He had blood splattered all over his shirt. Wow. He was a dangerous guy. Dude, but you know who went after him? He he started saying shit about Bill Blumenreich. You know Bill Blumenreich in Boston? Of course I know Bill. Bill's a good friend. I yeah. love Bill. And Bill went down there and straightened him out. With Bill's the, fucking, the wrong guy to fuck with. He brought a baseball bat down yeah. to fucking straighten this guy out because he said shit about Bill's family or something. Yeah, Bill's not to be fucked with. No. No. He's a big guy, he's too. He's a big fucking tough guy. And he's guy. a really great guy until he's not. Yeah. Right. He's a great guy. Yeah. Until you fuck with him. Uh-huh. And then the switch turns. And yeah. you see the darkness behind his eyes. Uh-huh. Wasn't he a stockbroker? Yeah. He like, yeah. yeah. Those guys were all psychos. Before. Yeah, and then he started the Faneuil Hall Comedy yeah. Connection. And runs the Wiltern. No, or the yeah. Wilbur, the Wilbur, the Wilbur Theater. And he has another theater there too, apparently. Uh, he might be the one that does the comedy tent in Cape Cod. I can't remember if it's him or John Tobin. I love Bill. I've been working for Bill for what fucking thirty years or some shit. Yeah. Whenever I'm back in town, when I do the garden, I'm doing it with him. No shit. Yeah, I do everything with him. Wow. If I'm in Boston, yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. He's awesome. Takes good care of you. He's just fucking great. He's a great guy. Mm-hmm. I remember one time we were in Aspen. He showed up at the Aspen Comedy Festival with a, a full length, all the way down to the floor, mink coat. <laughs> like this fucking, I've never seen a grown man with a mink coat. He goes, it's wonderful. Look how, feel it. Put it on, how warm it is. I put it on, I was like, oh, this is so warm. I just never seen a, a grown man with a full length mink coat like fucking Morris Day from the Times. <laughs> Does the coat come with four runaways? <laughs> four runaways? That you're pimping? Oh, just no. four runaway That's teenage hilarious. girls? No. <laughs> it was like a brown mink coat. 
And I remember seeing him. You know, Bill's a big guy anyway. He's walking down the street in the snow out, and he's got this giant yeah, mink coat. That's great. I wonder what the word... I wonder if Aspen is, like, too politically correct to wear fur anymore. I would doubt it. There's so many rich people there. Yeah, that's they like must make an exception. Maybe. It's a weird thing, right? Like, the, the fur thing. Like, because it is a kind of a fucked up thing that you... Just kill animals just for their fur. Yeah. But on the other hand, people have been doing that to stay warm forever. And then well, it just became a thing. When You know what it was? I think when people started seeing videos of how animals were treated. Mm. Some people don't even like when you have fake fur. I've had people give me shit for, I had a, a hoodie that had fake fur around the edge. And this girl came up to me and she goes, I don't like your fur. I go, it's fake. Mm. She goes, well, I don't like what it represents. Mm. I was like, fake animals? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Feel it. It's just synthetic. Right. She didn't like the fur. She was looking for something to be mad at. Mm -hmm. But like the synthetic, like it's a weird thing, like synthetic fur. Because it represented that. Yeah. It represents, it's like if you have like fake shrunken heads in your house. <laughs> you know? <laughs> My dad, when my dad started making some money, because my parents grew up broke in the Bronx, and then my dad made some money in radio, and then he bought my mom a fur coat. And it was like a full-length fucking, I can't remember what kind of fur it was. But she worked at the New York Times. She was a secretary at the New York Times. And so she used to walk from uh, Grand, she'd take the train into Grand Central Station, and she would walk into Times Square. And this is in the fucking 80s. You know, she would walk with a mink coat through the fucking. You talk about Sixth Street in Austin. It was like sketchy area. Sketchy. And a mink coat is thousands of dollars. I know. And I, somehow she never got fucking. She she had attitude. She walked right through there every fucking day. <laughs> What's weird about fur <clears throat> is that uh, leather is everywhere. Yeah. Which is fur without the hair. Right. Like people are cool with fur as long as it doesn't have the hair. Well, because I think it's a byproduct of an animal you're killing for the meat, whereas with the mink, you're not eating the meat. Right. I guess. Are we sure? Not at all. I'm talking out of my ass. I mean, uh, when we think about leather, I would imagine that if you're working for some, I mean, if you're making sustainable leather, you would use it from a cow that they're butchering for food. But is there specific cows they make that just take leather off of? That would be hard. Yeah, or do they have to be younger? Is the older animal not good leather? Well, I know Spanish bull leather, like Spanish bull leather is like th something that people like for like uh, briefcases and shit. Yeah. It's like a thing. Ostrich like, leather? Ostrich. They're cunts. Yeah. They're those fucking rotten birds. Really? Oh, they're mean. Birds yeah. are fucking mean, man. Yeah. Birds don't have, like, if you have a dog, like, dogs are furry. People have connections with dogs. We love dogs. Mm -hmm. They love you back. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves dogs. Like, you had a dog skin jacket, people would beat the fuck out of yeah. you. Yeah. But an ostrich, people are like, yeah, good. <laughs> fuck that hunty bird. Yeah, or an alligator. Fuck yeah, oh, alligator fuck shoes. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love killing alligators. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I've never killed one, but I mean, I love buying alligators. Like, I have, a, I have a crocodile belt on right now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I fucking most oh, nice. belts and stuff. I I try to buy like my pool cue case. It's made out of alligator. Uh -huh. I buy leather that's made out of alligators. I yeah. think, I hate those fucking yeah. things. I think they're disgusting. There's too many of them. It's amazing they're <sighs> still alive, isn't it? There's so many of them. When you see one, how fucking ancient they look. Yeah, they're dinosaurs. They're legit yeah. dinosaurs. Right. Yeah, and they're all over the place. We were talking the other day about uh, Disneyland in Florida that 
over the last few years, they've pulled hundreds of alligators out of Disney World. Well, dude, that girl got eaten. Yeah, a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine, your two-year-old. You remember, <sighs> you remember what it was like when your, your kids were two? Like, yeah. you love them so much, you're mm-hmm. so protective of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're so vulnerable. And, and, and to think, the see guilt them that getting killed feel. by an alligator. Yeah. <clears throat> there is a fucking lawsuit. Oh, God, I'm sure. But they probably just paid them off. I mean, Disneyland's just printing money. Or yeah. Disney World. Yeah. Disneyland's been shut down for a fucking year. Is that the one in California? Yeah, they're open again now, but they were trying to sue to try to get open again. You know, they had the, the strictest laws in California when it came to COVID, but it didn't have an impact on, like, the number of cases. It didn't have the impact on the number of deaths. Yeah. Like, in comparison to Florida, where they just went buck wild and wide open. Right. It's like Florida did better. Mm-hmm. With their fucking cunty alligators wandering around. And now they got... The Everglades are filled with fucking anacondas. Pythons. Py- oh, pythons, yeah. They killed all the mammals. They did this study on mammals in the Ever- Everglades. Yeah. They used to have raccoons and marsh hares and all these different deer. Nothing. Wow. Nothing. Everything's gone. No it's all shit. pythons. It's pythons and alligators. It's so bad now that Damn. pythons are eating alligators. Oh, I saw a video of that. It's crazy. Fuck. There's a there's a photo, a famous photo. Look at this. Florida Python Challenge gets underway with a new ten thousand dollar prize. Yeah, they're trying to. What they really should do <clears throat> is, uh, first of all, California, which is so fucking dumb, you can't buy Python goods. Why? Because they're assholes. They've just decided that's an exotic, and we don't want it. It's just political. It's yeah. completely. It's 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 all about optics. Right. Like the idea that you're gonna have these exotics. Like, why is it okay to have, like, lamb skin or sheep skin? Why is that okay? Yeah. Why is it okay to have Uggs with sheep skin inside of them? That's okay? It's okay to have a leather jacket. It's not okay to have a cunty python? Yeah. Like, what the That's fuck is- crazy. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. There's no logic to it at all. Mm. You can't have pythons. And meanwhile, what they should do is make it- uh, available everywhere and and make it so that it's commercially fishable that you can go or huntable you can go out there and collect these fucking pythons if it's very valuable they'll they'll at least be able to put a dent the problem is it's all swamps so they can't even find them they're never going to put a dent that's that <clears throat> shit is that ah, ship is sailed look at this 185 pound burmese python captured mm. in naples might be the heaviest in florida history how big uh, that, i think it might have been 16 feet Damn. They, oh they also God. got a, this was a female, they got a male that was 140 with it. I saw one, there's one somewhere that, they, how big do those fucking things get? Like, what's the biggest python? I was looking at something on the uh, internet, and I was like, is this real? Because it was said they found a 30-foot python, and it was eating dogs. Oh, yeah. They get that big? Well, it ate a fucking alligator. Longest, alligator. Long, according to this, longest in Florida, uh, 18.9 feet. What about longest in like uh, I think this was in um, uh, some South Pacific somewhere in the a- in Asia. Well, it's all pets. One hundred eighty-five pounds is big enough to eat a hundred and fifty-pound man. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. This while you hole. Yeah, yeah. Another thing they have in Florida that's everywhere is iguanas. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. Yeah. There's I've been I went down a YouTube rabbit hole the other day where people hunt and cook iguanas in their backyard. Wow. Yeah, because people who live on canals, they live near canals, they uh, they get like a bow fishing set up, and they're out there shooting and killing iguanas, and they turn them into chicken wings. Wow. 
Yeah, they whack their legs off and they fry them. They fry them up and they batter them and they make like these. It looks delicious, like these Asian dishes. This might be yeah. the that's one. That's it. That's the one. So thirty-three feet. Thirty-three feet. Holy shit! That's exactly the one. Where was that? It says it was. <clears throat> excuse me, in Brazil. Brazil. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Damn. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Look at the size of that thing. <laughs> Holy shit. All right, you can't Fuck. fake that. Right? What does that thing eat? Dogs. That's what they were saying. Giant snake found in Brazil. Ten meters. Wow. Oh, my God. Look how fat that thing is. That is so crazy that that's a real creature that lives alongside us. A th Imagine if you're just fucking hiking and you see a 30-foot snake staring you down. I mean, that is so big. Wait, that's an anaconda. Is a python and anaconda the same no, thing? No, different. 33-foot anaconda. Yeah. Well, that was that fucking movie with Jennifer Lopez, remember? Mm. Anaconda, mm -hmm. where they were even bigger. Because they, they think that there used to be giant anacondas in the Amazon that were even bigger than that. Like, what is the biggest... Like, the myth of the giant anaconda is something that's apparently, it's in dispute, whether or not they're real that, things. I, I was trying to find the biggest python, which I did see it does, does say a reticulated python can grow up to 30 feet. But which, anacondas, I but believe, are so bigger. I typed in biggest snake, and that's how I got that, oh. which was anaconda. I think they think that at one point in time, anacondas would get to 100 feet long. Like there's, all, it's all myth. It's hard to tell what's horseshit or not. But there's like photos of ones that people took from planes, where you see this thing that looks like a telephone pole, but a hundred foot long telephone pole, yeah. making its way through the water, like that big. Wow, <laughs> shit. I don't know if it's real though, dude. The alligators get fucking big in Florida too. My uh, my mom lives down there, and she plays golf. And there's a, 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 a pond that has fucking alligators in it. like On the golf course. On the yeah. golf course. They just wander around. <laughs> and so she was standing on the edge of the pond one day. Her ball is near the edge. And for some reason, she decides to play it. Not kick it out in the fairway. She plays it from the edge. She takes the club back, and she loses her balance, and she fucking falls in the water over her head, goes under, and then goes to get out of the water, and she's... She's like pulling herself up, but it's a muddy slope and she can't get out. She's like fucking flailing on the side oh and somebody God. helps her out and she got out of the water. And I mean, she she was so scared that when she got out, she started laughing and she was laying on the side of the pond fucking laughing <laughs> for like two minutes. <laughs> my mom's like five foot two. Oh, my She's God. She's 78 years old. Oh, my God. <laughs> Imagine that's how she went out. Yeah. Golfing near a pond. Getting spun around in circles by an alligator in the oh. middle of the water. What's the worst animal to die at the hands of, if you had to choose? Probably hyenas. Wolves, hyenas, because they eat your guts first. Yeah. Yeah, if you, if you see hyena videos, they're they're pulling like gazelles. They pull their guts out. Uh -huh. They're eating them guts first. Coyotes yeah. do that too. They eat your asshole first. Oh, Wow. <laughs> The asshole. <clears throat> yeah, um, a friend of mine who's a wildlife biologist was telling me about um, like, there. There was a girl who got killed in Canada a few years back by coyotes, and the particular area where she was in, <clears throat> she was a really um, a petite girl, and she apparently was a very talented singer. She was a talented like folk singer, or uh, yeah, I think that's what it was. I think she was a folk singer, and uh, so she was just going for beautiful. a walk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, she got killed by coyotes, which is super, super rare. Yeah. But he was saying that is one of the worst ways to go because they, they try to kill you asshole first. <clears throat> Her death is the only known fatal coyote attack on an adult as well as the only known fatal coyote attack on a human ever confirmed in Canada. Mm. Wow. She was 19 years old in Nova Scotia. It's fucking crazy. Wow. They're creeps, man. Coyotes yeah. are creeps. Yeah. Creepy little fuckers. Right. I'm sure they'd grab a fucking baby if they had a chance. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah, you leave a baby in the yard, coyotes grab them. Right. They're fucking assholes, man. But, you know. Didn't you ever run in when you lived in Colorado with uh Mountain lion ate my dog. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Right. Yeah. That's normal. I mean, that's what they pray on. That's one thing they found in San Francisco. You know, because California does not allow people. Oh, just, oh, that's a guy who got his dog from the mouth oh, of an alligator. Shit. That guy's a savage. Look at and that. And he's got a fucking cigar in his mouth the whole time. Look at him. He didn't even drop the cigar. <laughs> Look, he got his hands in there. Look at that guy. He's what old. Is, what is beautiful mustache, too? Look, he's opening the jaw. Now he's got his finger stuck in there. Damn. I wonder if he killed it with like that, like fucking Kong, when Kong killed the T-Rex. <laughs> oh, look at the little puppy. Look at the little sweetie. Yeah, and he's got the dog on his hat. Fuck. That's great. You got lucky that was a little little alligator. There's cunts. They're everywhere. They're fucking everywhere in Florida Yeah, now. they're everywhere. They're infested. But at least those are like native. Those are native creatures. The thing that freaks me out is the pythons because they were some dickheads' pets. Yeah. See if you can find I know. any of those videos on people hunting iguanas in their backyard because it's wild. Like these iguanas are five feet long. They're like fucking this big. They're huge. Wow. Like this chick was holding this up, that she, this one that she shot. Yeah. And I'm like, I had no idea. Look at the size of that thing. Fuck. I had no ugly. idea. Oh, that's uh. That's Outdoors Alley. I met her before. She used to be, uh, she used to work with um, uh, First Light. She's like a, a famous uh, outdoor influencer. And she, uh, look at all of God. That's Jesus all Christ. iguanas Damn. that they killed. Yeah, dude, they're everywhere down there. They are literally Shit. everywhere. And so they, they hunt them and then they cook them. Look at that one that fucking guy's got. He's holding up. The size of that goddamn yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. Last time we talked about this, I stumbled across a video of guys eating them. Yeah, they eat them. Yeah. Apparently, they taste delicious. Mm. This guy had them. He like a, like made sort of like a, an Asian recipe with like soy sauce and scallions and had stir fried and put it in mm -hmm. a batter. I'm like, that looks pretty fucking good. Yeah. And they're they're eating it. They're like, God, this is delicious. We went to we went to on a safari one time in, in South Africa, <laughs> and they had a primal. they had a restaurant. It was called Carnivore, and it was right on the right in the Kruger uh, State Park, and. Uh, They'd come around with skewers to the table, and it would be like, "Hey, you want some fucking bison? You want some crocodile? You want some?" Uh, they had zebra because they had to thin out the herd. Mm -hmm. You know, they basically whatever whatever they were thinning out that day, that's what was on the menu. Did you eat zebra? I eat zebra. What that tastes like? It all tasted the same. Really? Well, you know, there were shades of there were different shades of stuff, and and they cooked it all on the same like it was like a wood burning. Uh, Mm. spit that they had it on and i don't know it was more of just the uh the novelty of eating it but it, they had uh was there elephant there was either elephant or hippo there was one of those i have a friend who ate elephant once yeah he said it was delicious yeah yeah i was like i don't that's like that's in the dog category for me you know what i mean like yeah. elephants are kind of they're really i was in thailand and i rode an elephant really yeah you it's like this whole experience and they're not 
they're not like uh, encaged. They're they're essentially free roam, free ranging elephants in Thailand. That they've rescued from circuses and all kinds of different shit okay. like that, and they've rehabilitated them. And they're real kind. Like you feed them. Yeah. Like you you like they give them. Sh- they love sugarcane. So you're holding up sugarcane for them. And before you ride them, which I didn't enjoy. I don't need to ride them again. Yeah. But my family wanted to do it. So like, okay, we'll ride them. Uh-huh. But they don't give a fuck. It's like a kitten on your back. Like yeah. They don't feel you. Like, Did you put your daughters on it? Yeah. Yeah, really? one of them fell off, too. No shit. Got right back up. <laughs> yeah. The elephants will wait for you. It's it's weird, man. Like, yeah. They're not trying to shake you off. Yeah. Like, they don't mind. But you have to develop a relationship with them first. Uh-huh. So you, the first thing you do is you feed them. Yeah. So you're feeding them sugar cane, then you wash them. So you're washing them. Okay. And you're petting them. And, like, when you're doing it, like, they'll just hang with you, man. They yeah. hang with you. Wow. Like, they're cool. And, like, when you go to ride them, they put their leg up like that so you could stand on it. Wow. Yeah. Like, they, they don't have a problem with you riding them. Uh-huh. Like, they know what to do. So they go like that, and you step on their leg and pull yourself up. Yeah. But you're so tiny in comparison to an elephant. It's not like, like, riding a horse is a little odd, right? Like, sometimes horses don't want you riding yeah. them. Like, come on, get the fuck off me. Right. Elephants don't give a shit. Like, these elephants don't give a shit. And they know that you're going to go down to this, there's a trail you go through the jungle down into this, like, pond or this like lake there's a waterfall and you bathe them there and you hang out with them so you have like a little friendship with them Uh uh-huh and it's cool but they're free range if they wanted to they could just go left and wander off into the jungle and you never see them again and they've had multiple elephants that they uh took care of and rehabilitated in this place that now live in the wild so like while you're riding them they'll just decide well i'm gonna stop here and eat for a minute Mm -hmm. and they just fucking pull trees out of the roots and just start fucking eating leaves and shit, mm. pull bushes out, and they just eat. Just wow. pause and eat and then go on. So it's like a, it's a weird little thing you have going on with them, mm-hmm. you know? But it still feels exploitive, you know, to ride the... It feels odd. Like, I'm not interested in the riding them. Like, I like the petting them. I like the feeding them. I like this just being... You'd be able to touch this thing and have it trust you and mm-hmm. it's a giant animal. But I know too much about how intelligent they are. Yeah. They're really smart. They can paint. You ever seen them paint? No. Dude, they can paint. They can paint an elephant. Like, I don't know if they taught them how to make the shape. I don't know what they did, but elephants can paint things. That's incredible. Let me see if you can find some video of that. It's real weird. Like, I've seen it, and I was like, how does he know what he's painting? Like, he's painting a trunk and the legs. Like, it looks like like what a five-year-old would make. Mm-hmm. Like, it's pretty good. Wow. It's pretty good painting. Shit. Yeah, I'm like, but is this normal? Like, can they just do that if they see you do it? Mm-hmm. Or do you have to, like, give them enough food? Like, watch this. Look at this elephant. Look at this, man. Dude, I was, when was you were wild. talking about it, I was like, how does it hold the brush in its foot? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, man. Isn't that wild? No way. That's not real. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird, man. It's real. Holy it's real. shit. It's real. Yeah. Yeah, they can paint. That's ins. Get the fuck out. I know. It seems like it would be fake, but they can make hearts and flowers and shit. Yeah. Dude, this is like. If I could get that painting, I would put it on my wall just to be able to tell people an elephant did it. You can buy them. Really? That's the the elephant's name is Suda. Is he making his name or her name? Is that a boy or a girl? Got no tusks. Maybe it's a girl. Look at that. Dude, she can paint her fucking name. Fuck. I mean, how wild is that? So I guess they must reward her if she can recreate 
the the symbol that is her name, you know, the the letters. And I guess I mean I don't know if they've taught her how to do specific stuff or she could just paint Fuck, that's crazy, man. She painted a tree? Is that real? Shit. Is that a hundred percent real? Painting by elephant Suda. You get four hundred and ninety bucks, you get a painting by this elephant. I mean, that's pretty goddamn good. She changed how she writes her D's. <laughs> the one in the other video was like a lowercase D. That one's mm. a little different. Wild, right? Yeah. Authentic paintings made by elephants at our elephant park and clinic in Thailand. Okay. So same same place, same area. That's crazy. Wow. Look, different perspectives. Look at that one. A different perspective. Someone should tell her that's a P. Hey, bitch, you fucked up. That's super. <laughs> you don't get fed tonight. <laughs> no sugar cane. That's the, the elephant's I'm wearing trying a to scarf sell this. now. Drinking cappuccinos. Free worldwide shipping. Suit is a 15-year-old girl and has been painting for 10 years. She's responsible for raising thousands of bot for our elephant hospital. She's a very gentle lady and she loves to paint and is very precise with all her paintings. Wow. I'm getting one of those. It's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Because it's really, I guess, I don't, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, does she know that she's painting something? Like, does she know that's an elephant? Or is it like a shape that she's recreating that they've taught her how to, to make? You know? I mean, it makes sense. I mean, little kids can paint. I mean, I'm, I still have paintings my kids did when they were in preschool. And I'm shocked at sometimes the symmetry. Like, they'll have like symmetrical shapes on opposite sides of the page mm -hmm. and they'll have like colors the color schemes that are balanced like there's shit that goes on in the brain that's undeveloped that expresses itself yeah. so if the elephant has vision it should be able to replicate it i guess it's just it's weird to see uh wow. animals create art mm. you know because you know what that looks like it looks like a cave painting yeah that's what it looks like right it looks like the way uh, cave people t painted yeah. elephants. You ever paint? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never been a painter though. Not that's not like I've, I'm more of a illustrator. I did a lot of drawing. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know? No. Oh, dude, I used to want to be a comic book artist. No shit. That was really good. Yeah. How did I not know that? See if you can find. I had one recently that I did of Marvin Hagler. It was on my uh, Instagram when Hagler died. I found out Hagler died, and I. Uh, I pulled out something from like high school, like 1983. Wow. I just found uh, Richard Dawkins writing about that elephant. Thing. About the elephants? Yeah. Yeah, see so if you can find that um, the thing on my Instagram of Marvin Hagler. But I have one of uh, Three Little Pigs. It's really good. Three Little Pigs and the Big Bad what, Werewolf. Uh -huh. It's like a werewolf person through the house of straw with these little pigs scrambling. Yeah, that's Marvin Hagler. That was from when I was 15. That's amazing. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do, man. But I had a cunty fucking high school art teacher who had me convinced that there was no way to make a living as an artist. <laughs> he was such an asshole. I've talked to this guy. There was a guy in my class. His name was John DeVore. And John was the most talented guy in our class. He was really, really good. And he had the same fucking problem with his teacher. And when I quit, uh, I didn't go to art my senior year of high school just because uh, my art teacher was such a piece of shit. And John told me, and I'm, I'm again, like, if you think that's good, John was twice as good. He was really good. And John told me that the uh, the guy gave him an F. <laughs> oh, yeah? Just a cunt. Just he was a, a bitter How old shitty man. An F in art? 
I'm telling you, this guy was so good. He was so good. He was good enough to be like he could have uh, been an illustrator for Marvel Comics. Yeah. Like, top of the food chain wow. he was really really fucking talented and you know we were both 16 16 17 years old and the guy was such a piece of shit that uh he quit doing art too yeah and he never uh went on to be an artist fuck yeah Dream see if you can find the pressure. little the three little pigs one that's probably a better one but um yeah we, there was a group of us there was a kid named kevin there was john and me the three guys in this art class and we were all pretty pretty fucking good but all under this the thumb of this shitbag art teacher. I'll never forget this guy. Mm. He was like, he had this dumpy posture, he had like this scrawny body, like he never did anything, and this this pouch, this gut. That would just, and he would just be like, mm, mm. everything was like, mm, mm. Yeah. everything was like, well, you're not gonna be able to draw what you wanna draw. Right. You wanna be an artist? You know, I remember he said I would have to draw uh, diaper commercials. I'd have to do something for a diaper advertisement. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so you're not gonna be able, so that's, Oh, that's a different one. That's Little Red Riding Hood. That's another one that I did. Damn, I like your style. It's all it's all lines. Yeah, what, what I was into uh, technical. It's called technical pens. Uh huh. Yeah, it was like a technical ink pen. It was uh, all uh, like fine lines. That was what I was into. I was into like um, there was a lot of uh, really cool old black and white comic books, like creepy and eerie. Mm -hmm. There was uh, there was a whole like Uncle Creepy. It was like a series of these. Um, um, they were like large magazines that had these really cool like horror stories that they illustrated and it was all that style of illustration so uh -huh. I really got into that huh. yeah did so, you do colors as well a little bit but mostly I was just into just drawing with mm -hmm. like pen and ink sometimes right. ballpoint pen sometimes pencil and shit but I didn't do much painting that's a totally different way of creating art you know me i was just into lines and putting the lines together and with painting you know obviously you've got this fat brush and trying to figure it out yeah the fucking crazy thing that people are doing today now is tattoos i saw this fucking tattoo today Dude, i just got my first one what'd you get at 55 what is it it's a irish harp <laughs> did you do it <laughs> looks like you did it with your left hand <laughs> That is, that is ridiculous. I got one. Everybody in my family got one. That is ridiculous. My daughter wanted one since she was like 12 years old, and we were like, we we're like, you got to wait until you're 18. And I said, if you wait till you're 18, the whole family will get a tattoo together. Oh, my God. That's so, so ridiculous. So we all went and got the same tattoo. I'm going to send you this, Jamie. Did you find my uh, Three Little Pigs one? I did not. Okay. That's cool. Let me send you this, though. Look how good this guy's work is. It's a... Uh, Instagram link. It's crazy. I mean, it's like literally. It looks like a photograph. It's a. It's. It's actually John Wick, and he's. It's Keanu Reeves, but it's from the movie John Wick. And you're looking at this guy. He's actually doing it in the video. Look how good that is. Whoa. That's a tattoo. Holy shit. Incredible. Dude, why didn't you give me this guy's name before I got mine done? It's uh the 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 um. The guy's name is Luigi. It's important tattoo is the Instagram page. And the guy's name is, uh, yeah, they're Luigi Mansi. Oh, he's in Italy, Latin, uh -huh. Latina, Italy. But look how good his shit is, man. Yeah. Look at that Viking one, the upper left. But look, the Keanu Reeves one is fucking insane, dude. That is insane. Yeah. Wow. Look, look at how the Michael good Jackson that. one. Holy shit. Look how good that is. I mean, that's wild, man. Wild. Damn. 
Yeah, there's a lot of these guys now that are doing these like photorealistic tattoos that are just incredible. Look at that Dennis Rodman one. Fuck. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, that's incredible, man. Look at the tongue. Yeah. The teeth like and the tongue. Yeah, it's wild. I saw this guy I follow. I thought I was guessing you were going to show this guy. He makes some pretty sick tattoos. Steve too. Butcher? No, that this guy? guy on here. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Arlo, Arlo Tattoos. Yeah, 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 I've seen him before. Really good. Yeah. yeah, he's it that's uh he does a lot of realistic stuff too, but he does all kinds of shit. Like look at that one. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. What the f- I think he's in is he he in Colorado? Is there new technology for how to do tattoos that they're that much better? Well, there's better inks and there's there's better techniques and they're they're just really good. Keep going up. Sorry. Go back to that. Scroll down a little bit. Look how good his shit is, man. He mixes in color and black and white really good. Man, that is wild. Wild. Where is that Elysium Studios? Where is that? I, I think it's Colorado. Uh, it's not Denver, though, but I, th- I believe he is. Click on that. Yeah, Grand Junction. Grand Junction, Colorado. That's where Joey Diaz always said he wanted to move. I'm going to go to Grand Junction. It's outside of Denver. It's not that far. It's got a good airport. Yeah. Grand Junction. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to Golden. I'm doing a show in Golden, Colorado. Golden, Colorado? What are you doing out there? Brewery. I don't know. They got a new a brewery? Uh, comedy. It's like a little theater. Oh, yeah? Small theater. Yeah. Cool. I'm doing a, a weird tour soon. I'm doing one night. I'm doing uh, Boise, Idaho. No, no. I'm doing Iowa. Des Moines. Des Moines, Iowa. And then the next night I'm in Wisconsin. Oh, no shit. Yeah. You going to drive? No. No. Just take a nice drive. Now. I'm flying. I'm not driving. Yeah. To those fucking jet? cornfields and get kidnapped by some fucking weirdos. I remember they <laughs> drive when I was doing those colleges, driving through those cornfields, man. Strange. It was, it was fucking strange. I remember one night I was driving. It was like I hadn't eaten, and I was. It was one of those gigs where did you ever do college runs? At yeah. All? Yeah. So you would do like a college one night, and then you'd have a fucking nooner the next day at another college, oh, which was lunch like shows. three hours away. Lunch yeah. shows. So. I get in the car and I'm in, I think it was Iowa, and I get in the car and I'm fucking starving, but I get going because I was like, all right, I'll get something on the road. I got to get to this next town so I can wake up and do the show. And I'm driving and there's nothing. Everything's closed. I'm dying. My fucking stomach's cramping. I'm so hungry. And I see a Taco Bell up ahead. And so I pull over and they're still open. And it's crank country or whatever fucking drug they do in Iowa because there was a security guard, an armed security guard inside the place because I guess they get robbed so much. And so the guard was like 400 pounds. And he goes in the bath. I order my food. He goes in the bathroom. And then uh, I was waiting for my food and I had to go to the bathroom really bad. So he gets out and I go in. This guy had fucking destroyed the men's room. There was shit splattered all over the side. I, I, and I had to take a shit, and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And I came out, and I started to throw up in my mouth. And I, I threw up my mouth, and I spit it out. And then I came out, and my food was there. And I just, I left the food. No! And I, I got in the car, and I drove about a mile down the road, and I got in, and I took a shit on the side of the road. <laughs> and I just remember staying in my Motel 6... Cleaning shit in in the bathroom, clean because I had nothing to wipe with. I'm cleaning shit out of my ass. I'm starving to death, and I was like, Ooh. "I gotta stop these college dates." <laughs> <laughs> the romantic <laughs> memories, though, of yeah. those those struggling days of travel and weird, shitty road gigs. Yeah. 
that's something you know very, you didn't realize it at the time it was just like a thing you're doing because you had to do it and yeah you're happy to get a gig but now when you look back on it you know now you're an emmy award-winning writer yeah and, you know you've written books and had comedy specials on tv and yeah you get to think about those things and go wow. i remember once it was a block it was it was always the motels. Those were the words you go because you, you go to these small colleges. There's no fucking Marriott nearby. No, and so there was like the Motel Six. I remember there was a a block of wood, like a two by four, connected to the room key, so that you didn't take the room key or whatever. And uh, and then the you know and your door was open to the parking lot, and there'd be some asshole had a truck, a diesel truck, and he'd start it, and the exhaust is fucking blowing under the crack of your door. That's what wakes you up in the morning. Ugh. Ugh. So many weird people. Did and you, you were drifting. happy. Do you remember how happy you were to get those gigs, though? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a big deal. I'm getting paid. I can make a living. I can quit my job. Yeah. You didn't give a shit how bad it was. No. No, you're just happy. Yeah. Couldn't believe you were making a living doing comedy. I mean, that was always the thing. It's like to not have a day job. Mm-hmm. Like if I could just finally make a li- I remember seeing those guys that didn't have a day job, like DJ Hazard. Mm-hmm. I remember DJ Hazard lived in this uh, apartment that used to be uh, a school. They took a school and they turned it into condos, and it was nice. Yeah. It was really nice. It was a loft, and it had like this brick wall. Like the inside of it was like exposed brick uh-huh. and a big window. And I remember thinking, God, imagine, like this guy lives here and all he does is tell jokes. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. What kind of life is this? Yeah. Just thinking like it was this insurmountable, impossible to achieve goal of one day, one day, one day. I'd love, just love to be able to make a living telling jokes. Yeah. And those old days, man, of travel and struggle it's so fucking important man i see young comics now that are doing that and they're you know they're they're finding they're finding their voice at the same time that they're you know getting the freedom of like following their dream but also like creatively it's like every moment of stage time means so much because you know you're getting better every time you hit that stage you're getting better and and as you're as you're making a living and also creatively you're not peaking but you're growing and there's something so fulfilling about that. And then all of a sudden, it clicks, and you see that confidence kick in. Like I saw it with like guys like Mark Norman and Sam, Sam Morell and guys out of New York now that I've seen over the last 10 years come into that stage. And then all of a sudden, they get their confidence, and it's like, you can't fucking stop this guy now. Yeah, yeah they powerful. get legs. They get momentum. Yeah. Yeah. Remember those days where you get like four or five nights in a row where you're working? By the time the fifth night... You chug a chug a chug a chug a choo choo. You're moving. Yeah, yeah. You're moving and shaking. It's yeah. Happening. I, re- I remember seeing, uh, I forget what the comic, this female comic, she'd been on the road a lot. And it was after the pandemic. Oh, what's her name? It was Sam Morell's girlfriend. What's her name? Do you know her? Oh, she, I got to remember her name. She's a fucking great comic. And she came in and everybody was rusty. Everybody's working off pieces of paper. And she had just come off the road and she'd been working for like two months straight. And she's also like young, hun- hungry comic. And she annihilated the room. Like, and it was not a good room. And it was like effortless. And you're like, yeah, that person's been in the gym. Yeah. That person's hungry. They're peaking. They're, you know, they're making it for the first time. And, uh, 
and there's and there's something that the audience senses about that person. They're just a fullback. They're they're breaking through the line. Well, I uh, did a gig recently with Dylan, Tim Dylan. We did a Vulcan Gas Company, and it was the same sort of thing. Like I'd seen him on stage. The last time I saw him was pre-pandemic, right? And so it was probably like maybe even two years ago, and he was good. It yeah. was funny. Yeah. But man, he was so good. Yeah. This is like a couple weeks ago. He was so tight. Right. Everything was flowing and smooth. And Tim has that show that he does with his producer, Ben. And it's just him ranting and his producer laughing about uh-huh. things. So he's got like that sort of rant muscle, you know, yeah. where they could just rant about things. And then I guess he's, you know, probably takes some of those premises and cherry picks them, mm-hmm. finds the best ones, and that becomes his comedy. So he had mm-hmm. so much material and so much of it was relevant. So much of it was new stuff. It was fucking great. Yeah. He's this great fucking bit about not needing to align politically with the people who own Chick-fil-A. <laughs> it was just, but it was so powerful, you know? It's just, but it was that thing. And I said, I go, dude, that was so good. And I told him, I go, you are you are on such a new level. I can see it. Yeah. Like, it was so powerful. And he's like, yeah, it's this road work, just constantly being on the road and yeah. doing gigs. Right. I'm wondering whether or not that's going to keep going, you know, because- they're trying to shut things down now, and people are panicking, you know, because of uh, this recent new spike in COVID. Yeah. Because COVID is kicking back in again. Yeah. But there's way less deaths. There's a lot of cases, but they know how to treat it now. Mm-hmm. So there's less, you know, they have those monoclonal antibodies and ivermectin and uh, Z-packs and all these different things they're doing. They're helping people survive it. Mm. So people are... They're, they're getting over it much better. So if you look, look at, like, case numbers, case numbers are up. Recently, but the deaths are way, way low. In What's comparison the cost to what of treating somebody with that kind of stuff? Is it astronomical? Ivermectin is pretty cheap because it's a it's a um, um, a generic uh, drug, and it's been around for a long time. Um, I don't know how much Z packs cost, um, and I don't know how much those monoclonal antibodies cost. Hmm. But you know, it's probably. You know, anytime you're in a hospital, if you actually have to go to a hospital, it's fucking expensive. Plus the um you know, the the long-term effects for some yeah. people can be expensive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm just hearing so many people who are vaccinated that get it. And now they're saying that if you're vaccinated, it may only be good for three to four months. Mm-hmm. And so there was a, a guy online that was saying, what is this? Is this a, are, you, are you calling it a vaccine or is this a treatment? He goes, because it's a, if it's a treatment, it's, it's a very different approach than a vaccine because most vaccines other than maybe the flu vaccine most vaccines give you immunity for like a long time like Mm -hmm. if you get a measles vaccine you get immunity for a long time and i think a lot of people thought like you get vaccinated from covid and you're not ever going to catch covid and now people are catching covid and dying that are vaccinated so it's like fuck but they tend not to have as severe symptoms if they're vaccinated and then they catch it i guess but, you know, there was a lot of people that didn't get symptoms before vaccines were out, mm-hmm. which is interesting. So, so, like, I was reading this thing where this guy was making this argument. They were saying that they, the large number of people who are dying from COVID are the unvaccinated. And he said, yeah, but they're not taking these from recent cases. He goes, the problem with this thing is that when they're saying the large number of people who are vaccinated from COVID or unvaccinated from COVID are the ones that are dying, they're going way back to like March of last year. And he's like, they're adding those where it was before there was even any vaccines. 
Mm-hmm. He's like, so you're the bulk of the deaths. Yeah, there were unvaccinated people. But if you look at it now, he's like, people aren't dying nearly as much, even the unvaccinated. The real problem, and it's always been, is underlying comorbidities. People that have weight problems, ca- cancer, weight problems, obesity is 78% of the people mm-hmm. that wind up in the ICU with COVID are obese. Yeah. 78%. Right. And th- if there's anything this country has, we have an epidemic with people being overweight. Yeah. It's just too easy to get fatty foods and sugary foods and yeah yeah it's too easy to overeat yeah i would have hoped that out of all this that one thing would come out was the whole country kind of wake up and say look taking care of yourself is very fucking important Mm -hmm. you know but a lot of people just wanted that shot they're just like give me that shot and everything's going to be fine like even i was talking to a good friend of mine who got covid after he was vaccinated he goes dude as soon as i got vaccinated i stopped taking vitamins like i'm good Mm -hmm. he goes i was like before i was scared and then i just let off the gas completely and then he wound up getting covid Mm. and he's pretty fucked up right and you got to take zinc uh quercetin d vitamin d3 right yeah yeah fish oil vitamin c you really want to be healthy that's what you want you really want a balanced healthy vitamin intake and exercise, particularly cardiovascular exercise. They think that that is one of the best things to uh, to ward off some of the worst cases of COVID is like if you're in good cardiovascular shape. A lot of people healthy. work out and they only do weights and they don't do the cardio. You got to do, even if I only yeah. do 20 minutes, Not every good. time I work out, I do at least 20 minutes of cardio before I lift weights. The saddest thing is to watch a guy who's buff run out of air yeah right like like, like going to hike with them like, <laughs> uh, uh, like hey man you're not in shape yeah you're just muscular <laughs> i work at a gold's gym in venice which Do you is really? like yeah it's, you go to the mecca of bodybuilding yeah i go to the mecca of bodybuilding and i am without a doubt always the smallest guy in the gym <laughs> and you have to see these motherfuckers because they are puffed they have puffy muscles oh yeah a lot of these guys and when that pandemic happened and they closed down I saw these guys coming back into the gym and the whole fucking midsection had collapsed and the muscles had, and then and that now they're all in there just fucking it's trying to get it back trying to get it back yeah, if you don't have weights. It's all outdoors now. They you know they Oh really? Yeah, they moved they they closed off two of the parking lots at Golds. They move all the equipment outside and it's so fucking great like just working out outside in the sun. That's smart. Yeah. That's good cuz you get a double whammy, right? You get the vitamin D from being outside. Right. And then you also, you know, there's very few, if any, cases where they've shown that there's been widespread transmission through outdoor. Yeah. You know, they don't they don't think you really get it outside. And maybe maybe with a new variant you might be able to, but the old shit, regular COVID. Yeah. How do they, how do they know whether or not like everybody that I know that got t- tested for COVID, they didn't find out if they have a variant. They didn't find mm-hmm. out shit. They just found out they were positive. I mean, how do they know who's got a variant? Yeah. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. The um, Jamie's got antibodies from fucking October. Strong antibodies. He got strong. A, October. Well, he's in shape too. Look at the guy. You running still? Yeah. Those golf swings though. Golf swings too yeah. and yeah. running. Told you I burn lots of calories. Golfing. I or heard he's trying Apple to get watch. you into golfing. No, it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a golfer. You I, don't seem I, like a golfer. I'm I, I'm too addicted to games, man. You see yeah. how I am with pool. I can't uh, be playing golf. Yeah, I don't have that kind of time. 
It's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. Yeah. I remember very distinctly in Boston when we lived there, the guys that got really into golf, they did not pay attention to their career. Mm -hmm. They just did the gigs, got the money, and they just wanted to golf in the morning. Yeah. And golf became more of the thing they were concentrating on even than pool. Right. It was, or, or even than uh, comedy, rather. I remember Seinfeld said that. He goes, you can always see the comics that aren't going to progress. They go on the road with golf clubs. He goes, that's death. Because I can remember when first going on the road. I mean, up until now, I don't. I'm not as intense about it as I used to be. But I used to be like, I would do the shows, tape my sets. I'd get up in the morning, get some coffee, and I would sit there with my tape recorder and I would fucking pause it and make notes. I had notebooks where I would just a word change. I wrote it down. A, a, a tangent that I went on, I'd write it down. And then before I went on stage, I'd go through those notes and I'd fucking tape it again. And that's when like the shit really gets tight. I mean, yeah. that's my process. Yeah. Different for everybody. Some people, they can remember it all, but at least like for me to, to make that the first and only priority when you're on the road, you come back on Sunday. They used to have uh, Largo in, in LA on Monday nights. And I would go do Largo like almost every Monday night, and I'd be on the road almost every weekend. And I'd come back with five new minutes that were fucking pounded out. And I would go into Largo, and it's all these other, and it was like alternative comedy. So everybody else was like shit they thought of while they were having a latte that afternoon. And it was yeah. kind of fat. And not really like pieced together well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, you know, and some of them were brilliant. Some of them could get away with it. You know, like Pat Oswalt can just go up there. And talk, and it's fucking unbelievable. But I, I'm, I had to work. I had to work hard on that shit to make it tight. Like Tim Dillon's, like, like you said, he found, he found his rhythm and his voice, and it just comes out. Yeah. But for me, it was like I needed those hours alone in my hotel room, pouring over that shit to make it good. Yeah, having that extra focus and the extra time, and and having the discipline to sit there and actually do that. That's what makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. it really makes you're thinking about it more. You're concentrating about your act. Mm -hmm. you're, you're looking forward to it. You're like going over the stuff. And then when you go on stage, I think the way I look at it, like every time you listen to a set, it's like a half a set. It's like every set you do is very important for tightening your act and making it strong. And then you listen to a set afterwards and it's another, it's like doing a half a set. It's mm -hmm. like 50% as valuable as doing a whole set. So, like, if you do two shows and then you listen to both of those shows, it's like you did three shows. Mm -hmm. And it's over time, all that stuff accumulates, and it, yeah. it really does have a big effect. It's a matter of how much time, how much focus, how much are you concentrating on it, and how much, how much are you, like, really trying to innovate it, really trying to tighten it up. And then you're so much more aware. I mean, it's just like playing a sport. You're, mm -hmm. If your fundamentals, if you're beating the fundamentals into yourself, then when you're on stage, your mind isn't fixated on, oh, what's the next joke right. or whatever. It's more like, oh, no, I'm hitting this word instead of that word because last night in the second show that worked better. Right, right, And right. you're so much more able to concentrate on the, on the minutia. What were you telling me? How, you were about to tell me. I said, don't tell me. What happened at Kill Tony last oh, night? Oh, Jesus Christ. What a fucking zoo. I mean, it is, that show was always chaotic and, and interesting and good. But here in Austin, it's like I show up and I go in the green room 
And Tony's dressed like the fucking cowboy from Toy Story. Yes. He's got on he's got on a big fucking belt buckle. Cowboy hat. Cowboy hat. Snakeskin boots. And there's a guy in the corner who's got a fucking he's got a freezer bag filled with mushrooms. And he's just handing everybody's fucking chewing on stems. There's a fat joint going. The band is downstairs. And then they they do the show. And I mean, the place is just frenetic. Yeah. I mean, they're so good. And then this uh, Asian guy gets up on stage, who I guess does it every week, who is super funny, Hans, Hans or Hans. And he goes up, and then and then Tony goes, does anybody want to make out with, with Hans? Because a woman did the week before. Somebody made out with him. So now it's a running thing of like, yeah, can we get <laughs> a different girl to make out with? I guess he's making amends to the Asian people. <laughs> and so this girl comes up on stage, and it wasn't just her. There were like three women that were willing to come on stage. This girl comes up, and she's about five foot one. And she has one of those uh, sites that you can like be a prostitute, be like a stripper for people. OnlyFans. Oh, he's, she's got an OnlyFans page, and so she. He, so Tony goes, "Is it okay if you make out with him? Are you here with anybody?" She's like, "Yeah, I'm here on a date," and but he's okay with it. So, and she shows us her tits, and they're they're pierced, and. She uh, so she starts making out with this guy, but I mean they are going at it like shoving tongues down each other's throats. And then he goes, Tony goes, "Will you have sex with him?" And she goes, "Yeah, yeah, but my but I want my date in on it." So we bring the date on stage. He's like, "Yeah, I'll do a three way with this guy." So so cut to after the show. And he's this guy on mushrooms too, Hans. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I know the week before apparently he threw up in five different places in the club, <laughs> and so he so it's, it's almost like he's having a rebirth. He's had this like pretty fucking pedestrian life up until Kill Tony. Oh boy! And now he's like he's like a teenager all over again. So he comes into the green room after the show. There's like an after party happening, and he comes in the green room, and apparently he already had sex with the girl in the janitor's closet at the club. Yeah. And the boyfriend, the date was pissed because he wasn't invited because she couldn't find him. So she went ahead and did it. <laughs> it was insanity. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if that's a good commercial for Kill Tony, but if you Pretty hear good. that and you don't want to go to that show, the I don't know what wild. else you're doing on Tony Monday nights. Tony is so good at that show. Yeah. He's so good at the yeah. ad-libs and, and yep. just running it and keeping it smooth and no, rolling. No, producing it. I mean, mm -hmm. he's got this killer band. He's got the regulars that go up and perform every mm -hmm. week. This one guy goes up, this redheaded guy with a beard. I can't remember his name, but he goes on every week. He's from Nashville, I think. He destroys... And uh, William Montgomery is I think that's his name reads off of his notes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's hilarious. Yeah. He's hilarious. Um, but, you know, it's just the whole thing is so well produced and put together. I go, did you show this to Comedy Central? And they're like, yeah, this isn't a Comedy Central show. I'm like, no, if they had any fucking sense, they don't. This is a perfect show. But it's for better Comedy on Central. the Internet. It's better yeah. because you don't want anybody getting their greasy little fingers in it. Well, you yeah. know, we can't. We're going to cut that out. Right. Cut out all the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that. Everything should be on the internet now. Yeah. Like within five, 10 years, I, it's, there's going to be no reason to do any of these shows anywhere else. The equipment is so cheap. He's got yeah. about 19 cameras set up. Yeah. Yeah. Red Band's producing it all. It's like, yep. it's all simple and it's, it's, 
it's better this way. Yeah, it's better because you, you you need just these wild motherfuckers eating mushrooms in the green room yeah. to go out there and put that show together. That's right. what you really want. Yeah, that's the that's the right kind of and what it is basically is the cornerstone of the Austin comedy scene because that's where all the young guys and girls and non-binary folks get a chance to go up and do their fucking comedy for mm-hmm. the first time. They get one minute. And, you know, you might get one minute and do it in front of Ron White or Greg Fitzsimmons or mm. whoever the fuck, Tim Dillon, whoever the fuck is there. Yeah. And it's great. It's They wild. dragged this guy up in a wheelchair. This guy had uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. And I guess when he caught it, he decided that he was going to follow his dream of doing stand-up comedy. So, oh, Mike. Mike Lehrer. How, that, do, you say his, how yeah. do you spell his last name? Yeah, yeah. How do you spell it? L-E-H-R-E-R. Yeah. And this guy comes <laughs> He's up. He's funny. They had to drag the fucking... And I'm like, yeah. this is going to be a train wreck. And he gets up. And he was playing a character of uh, Andrew Dice Clay as a as a as a handicapped guy, and he had all this material. He had like Andrew Dice Clay material, including nursery rhymes at the end, and yeah. he, and he fucking killed. So he's a funny guy, man. Yeah. He just got a disease, but he's yeah. a very funny comic. Right, yeah, right. no, it's a beautiful show. It really is, and it's 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 wild. And when you're watching it, you know that it's not planned out. It's just mm-hmm. chaotic and yeah. fun. Yeah. And it's like it's supporting that kind of style of comedy, wild, live nightclub comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, that place, that venue, Vulcan, is amazing for it, too. Yeah. Do you, Are you working tonight? You do anything tonight? No. Oh, yeah, you are. You want to do a, shat, a set on my show? Yeah. Is it at that, yeah. it's at that same place? Yeah. Fuck yeah, man. Fuck that yeah. room is hot. Hot. Yeah. Wait yeah. till tonight. Yeah. Dynamite. Oh, it's going to be wild. Yeah. Yeah. I'm there uh, pretty much every Tuesday and Wednesday when I'm in town. No shit. Yeah. It's a great place to work out. Wow. So if I'm doing arenas on the weekend, I tighten my shit up here. Nice. Yeah. It's great. So you're hitting the road now? You're doing? You're out doing stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I've, did, um, I've done some clubs on the road. I did uh, Wise Guys in Salt Lake, mm-hmm. tightened up there. Yeah. And I did a few arenas in Vegas with Chappelle. We did the MGM Oh, Grand. dude, yeah. Mike Gibbons. You know, my buddy Mike Gibbons yeah. I do my podcast Sunday Papers with. He came out to see you. Oh, did he? Yeah. And he's like... Uh, He's like, hey man, can you uh, can you give me some free tickets? I go, yeah, let me text Rogan to get fucking free tickets to his arena show. I go, buy you, you're a fucking very successful showrunner. Buy a goddamn ticket to the show. But he went. And he said it was unbelievable. He's like that. He's like he, he's like Rogan killed so hard. I felt bad for Chappelle, and then Chappelle came up and also just annihilated. Everybody was so happy. Like the audience is so happy. It was yeah. a thing. Well, first of all, it's like. You know, the lockdowns and everything, and people weren't doing arena shows. Vegas wasn't even open until a couple months ago. Yeah. Right? So then all of a sudden, Vegas is open again. And then when we booked this, we weren't sure if it was going to be at full capacity. Uh-huh. We thought, like, what is that? Is that- save anybody Yeah. when you're all screaming and laughing and there's like six feet apart from each other? Does that really have any impact on the spread of a mm-hmm. virus yeah but it was just buck wild 14,000 people <laughs> two two nights in a row we did it really yeah we did thursday and friday wild times two. it was wild Shit. yeah it was wild it was really fun don l rawlings tom segura did it with me too nice yeah, it was, we had a good fucking time that's amazing yeah and then you did a and that was the weekend of the mcgregor fight right yes yeah, yeah. and then the mcgregor fight was saturday night mm-hmm. yeah Good weekend. It was a fun time. Yeah, it was, it, but it, but it was uh it was like Vegas is back time. Yeah, like it felt like it. Like everything was fucking electric. Uh-huh. Like people were excited to be there, and the casinos were filled with people. Yeah, but you know now that 
people are catching COVID again. Who knows what's going to happen? I know. I think a lot of people thought that the vaccine was going to be the cure, and that's it. Yeah. No, no, no worries. Now people are scared. I wonder if they're going to be less scared. They find out that there's way less deaths. You know, that's the thing that people will, like. The deaths are not near. The a lot of the deaths happened in the early days too, when they didn't know how to treat it, and they were throwing people on ventilators right away. Mm-hmm. And you know, who knows? But the the crowds really are different, man. Since the pandemic, they are just electric. They're so excited! Every to be show, there. people are so excited. Yeah. Even if it's not full, it's just it feels full. You know, yeah. when they have when it's fifty percent capacity, mm-hmm. it's it still feels like it's a hundred percent. I did a. I said I did Wise Guys in Salt Lake. God damn, that's a great club. Yeah. Whoo, that's yeah. fun. Yeah. And that's a great place too because they're a little weirded out by the whole Mormon thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like. Like there's a percentage of the people that are Mormons yeah. in the crowd, and I was like, "If you're Mormon, guess what? You're not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not, <laughs> this is not right. <laughs> you're not following your fucking yeah. rules. Yeah, yeah. Like whatever wacky rules you got. Yeah, it's a weird town, right? Salt Lake, where it's kind of like a Mormon town, but not really anymore. It's like there's a certain percentage of Mormons, but it's like a regular city, but it still has the influence of the Mormons. Well, it's a high percentage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do you think? It's like 30, 40? No, I think it's more than that. Really? Yeah. Let's guess. I, Let's guess. We'll I'm going to say 70. What? I bet it's 70%. No. I mean, that are raised Mormon. I, I'm sure they leave the fold once they turn 18 or whatever. All right, let's, uh, let's Google it. What percentage of Salt Lake City residents are Mormon? Oh, I did Utah. I figured that was good enough. Oh, Utah is a pretty high number. All right. But Salt Lake City, yeah. what would you get out of Utah? 62%. 62? Yeah. Of the whole state. Yeah. 49% of Salt Lake County. 49 of Salt Lake. 49%. Yeah. Right. yeah. Wow. And, and so when you come out of that energy, I mean, it's like, where do you get laid more than a fucking Catholic girl school? I remember that <laughs> in high school, man. Holy Child and Our, yeah. Our Lady of Victory. And we used to hit those schools hard. Marymount <laughs> College. There was a fucking Catholic college in my town growing up. Oh, my God. Town, New York. Marymount College. If you oh. tell those girls to stay away from boys, That's the right. first thing they want to do is find a boy. That's right. Like, get me a boy. <laughs> get me a boy. I can't do this I anymore. Shut I... the fuck up, Mom. <laughs> Leave me alone, Dad. I'm my own woman. Yeah. They just want... That was in high school, man, for sure. We used to go up to that college when we were we were like 16 years old. We'd get a couple bottles of wine. We'd head, head up to Marymount, and we'd just troll. <laughs> we'd just walk around looking for these like these Hispanic <sighs> girls from the Bronx whose mothers were trying to cloister them up at Marymount College. They'll be safe up there. No. no they the won't. worst place for them. <laughs> I dated this one girl in high school who went to all-girls Catholic school, and her two sisters didn't. Her two sisters went to public school, uh-huh. and she went to Catholic school, and she she was so wild. Like she was like, if you took a cat and you throw a ball of yarn in front of a cat, yeah. you know, it dives on it. Uh-huh. That's how she was with Dick. <laughs> she couldn't. She could. She was crazy. She was just a wild girl, and I think she a lot of yarn. She just wanted to fuck. Yeah. All the time, and I think it was because of Catholic school. Uh huh. Yeah. Tell me I can't have it. She's a wild girl, man. Mm-hmm. She fucked like five of my friends. She was crazy. You ever see somebody like that when they get older and you just look at them and you're like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sad sometimes. Yeah. Been through some rough times. And that the, the sad thing is if it's the same town and you're like passing mm-hmm. by guys you fucked before. And like, oh, hi, Norman. <laughs> you know, he's like, hey, Mary, how you been? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> some guy who still remembers high school. Yeah, she walks by and every guy like locks yeah. locks eyes with each other. Like, remember, remember? Oh no! And if you're her husband now, you're like. Mm. Well, that was the best. In, remember Best in Show with uh, uh, Kathleen O'Hara? Oh, that her yeah. Name? She played that character where she had fucked every guy they ran into with her <laughs> husband. Eugene Levy was the husband, and he was constantly like keeping an eye on her. They're a good team. They're a great team on that Shit's Creek show. <sighs> Dude. That show's very good. So original. Yeah, it's very a, I, original. I watched the first episode, and I was like, all right, here's a big premise. I don't know if they can pull it. Sometimes they go too big with the premise. Right. And you go like, yeah, they can't follow this up. But then it turns into a whole other show. It just yeah. turns into like a very intimate show about a family that's, you know, really loves each other. Yeah, yeah. And going through some shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And and Eugene Levy's son is fucking great. He's really funny. Yeah. He's really funny. I've never yeah. seen him off the show. Is he as gay off the show? Because <laughs> he's pretty gay on the show. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen him being interviewed. I've only seen him on that show. Yeah. Has he done other shows before? I don't know, but he's meticulous because he's a producer on that show, and that thing is very well put together. Yeah, it's a great show. Yeah. It's a really good show. And again, like you said, it's a really good premise. Yeah. And then Chris, uh, what's his Elliot. name? Elliot. Elliot is amazing yeah. there, too. Yeah. As the crazy mayor of the town. Uh-huh. Yeah. That, and it started out as like a little Canadian show, I think, and they and really? it got picked up. Yeah, I think they did. Um, I think they did all the episodes up in Canada. I never watched any of it until this year, until the pandemic. And yeah, I, I, I binged. That's a good. binge. I watched a bunch of them. Yeah, that's a good binge because you can watch a bunch of them back to back. Yeah, there's some shows you really got to like. Like Breaking Bad, you got to watch one, maybe two, and then you got to go sit alone in a room for a little while and, <laughs> and ingest it and let it settle. I started getting into Community. I never watched Community. Never saw it. It's good. It's good. It's yeah. really good. Joel McHale's fucking funny, yeah. man. Donald Glover's really funny. Even Chevy Chase. It's weird to see Chevy Chase as an old man in a sitcom. It's very strange. I but think they good. bounced him off the show for being an asshole after a while. Yeah, I kind of heard that too. Mm. I don't know if that's true, but I wouldn't be surprised. He I, seems like a grumpy dude. I did a uh, one of the Comedy Central roasts when he was the he was the roastee. Yeah. And uh, he wouldn't say hi to us before the show. Like, we're all backstage, and it's like it's like me and, you know, Jeff Ross and Lisa Lampanelli, Kevin Meany, um, Al Franken, Stephen Colbert. And we're all standing around, and we all, he wouldn't shake hands. We'd just look away from you when you walked up, mirrored sunglasses on. What? And then he gets on stage, and he sits there with fucking sunglasses on, and he wouldn't look at you while you were performing. So the whole audience was just like bummed out. It didn't have the feeling of a roast where it's like, hey, we're all kidding around and we're busting balls. Right, it was just right. more like, here's a guy who fucking hates all of you and you're trying to do jokes and people were bombing. Mar I think Marin was on it, Todd Barry was on it and uh, it was a bomb festival. It was really? brutal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I always wondered if one of the reasons why he was always so shitty was that he's in pain, you know? Because he did so many pratfalls, he did so many like stunts. Yeah, where he'd fall and land hard on his back. Right. And the reality to that shit is, and this is you know, this is how I think about things, right? I think about damage to your body. Yeah, like that guy's got to be in agony. Uh -huh. There's no way he's not. And also, he probably got a lot of brain damage doing that. Like no bullshit. Because yeah. he was always like feet up in the air, boom, slam, fall down on the ground. You remember that? Uh huh. 
like a lot of the shit that he did on SNL, a lot of that old school stuff, even like Fletch, like yeah. all those old movies, he fell down a uh -huh. lot. Think about how many takes you have to do of those. Yeah. Think about how many times he did that probably doing sketch, like doing sketch comedy, mm -hmm. you know, doing improv. Like he was a, a guy who would fall down. Yeah. When you do that a lot, man, you get busted up. Because how many nights is he performing? How many nights yeah. in a row? How many times have you fallen? Mm -hmm. How many nights have you fallen during a week? Right. I would uh, when I heard he was an asshole, because you know my history with people getting punched and kicked in the head. Mm -hmm. My first thing I was thinking, like, I bet that guy's in pain all the yeah. time. I have bet you he's seen all that with up. fighters? Do guys turn into assholes as they get older if they, they get, get beat up too much? Yeah, they get real impulsive. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they do wild shit. Wind up doing a lot of drugs or gambling and shit. Like that's the thing about people with brain damage. They get very impulsive. Mm. You know, drive drunk, get wild. You know, and they, they they don't they have a hard time controlling their impulses. Mm. Hard time controlling their tempers too. And there's nothing you can do about that. That's just permanent damage. I wonder. You know, I wonder. I, mean, I think there's some people that have had a lot of relief from psilocybin therapy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. John Hopkins is about to do something with uh, USADA, and they're working with, uh, they want to, they haven't begun the studies yet, but they're going to work with uh, UFC fighters. Uh -huh. And they're going to, I think they're going to work with some other athletes as well that have sustained some brain damage. And they're going to work on helping them with psilocybin mushrooms. Now, I've heard they've treated a lot of vets with that, or that's that's the hope yep. for the... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, MAPS is using uh, MDMA. Uh, MAPS, uh, Multidisciplinary Advanced Psychedelic Studies, whatever the hell it is. So, multidisciplinary... What is it? What does MAPS stand for? Something... Association. Association of Psychedelic Studies. Psychedelic studies. Mm. Um I had Rick Doblin on, who's the head of MAPS, and he was talking to me about uh, all the progress they've made with uh, MDMA, mm -hmm. ecstasy, you know? Yeah. That's uh, really good for people that have, uh, like, traumatic memories and, you know, like soldiers in particular, and that's one of the best uh, treatments for them is uh, They do MDMA. it in conjunction with talk therapy? Like, they... I don't know. It's a good question. Mm. I'm sure they probably... It probably has... You're probably going to have to w talk through a lot right. of that stuff for right. sure. You know, yeah. but for uh, fighters and soldiers and, you know, people with a lot of damage, you know, just psychological damage as well as physical damage. Mm -hmm. But the thing about psilocybin is it has uh, neuroregenerative properties, so it actually can help heal the brain. No shit. Yeah. It's one of the rare things. Hmm. Yeah, this, that lion's mane stuff has uh, neuroregenerative properties as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's certain things that you can take that actually can help fix your brain there's they're also doing magnetic therapy they've done that with a lot of fighters they there's something about um using these like super powerful magnets i did a whole series with that it's called uh tms trans uh, cranial magnetic stimulation yeah. i think it's called and neil brennan turned me on to it neil's done everything well because i i'm like him i've had i think irish i think irish people get a lot of depression but i've had lifelong battles with depression and it fucking helped me i yeah, went really? in there i went in there like four days a week for about six months and you'd sit down and they'd put magnets on your head and you'd get it was, they'd buzz you just keep fucking Whoa. buzzing your head so you feel like a vibration oh yeah yeah it was uncomfortable you, while it's happening do you feel it or do you feel it later um it's cumulative. You start to feel it, but like um, you definitely feel a little off as it's happening, and then 
after about two weeks, you really start to feel like the the, the lows of the depression go away, and it and it holds. Like I, I I did it probably three years ago, and my wife is like, I see a big difference. Wow! So it remaps your brain. Somehow yes, exactly. Oh yeah, Kat Zingano. She's a uh, a female MMA fighter. She used to fight for the UFC. Now she fights for Bellator. She was telling me about that. She had done some of that. It helped her a lot. Mm-hmm. It helped her regain her coordination. She had one fight with Amanda Nunes, who is a UFC. Uh, she's a two division champion. She's the bantamweight champion and the featherweight champion. She's a monster. Mm-hmm. She's the greatest women fighter of all time. Wow. Consensus. Everybody agrees. And she beat the shit out of Cat in the first round. And Cat wound up winning the fight, but she sustained all sorts of damage from that first round that like really fucked with her. She got a bunch of weight gain. Her her coordination was off and mm. uh she fixed it through that magnetic therapy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's not cheap because they're not. Um, a lot of insurance doesn't cover it yet. Mm. Um, they're just they're ju- they keep petitioning because it's like you got to look at the cost of fixing somebody's depression, you know. And, and if you can spend whatever it costs ten thousand dollars for a treatment of it over six months, and that keeps you from having to take medications for the rest of your life or go to psychotherapy for the rest of your life or whatever, the insurance companies have to start looking at it. Long ball is a as a real treatment. They don't give a fuck. No. All they want to do is save money. Right. They're like, nope, not covered. Nope, mm-hmm. nope, nope, nope. I mean, there's so many things they don't cover. I think ketamine is covered by a lot of insurance companies now. That's wild. Yeah. They're, 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 that was one of the things that Neil told me about that really helped him. It but helped he, uh, um, Duncan a lot, too. A lot of people like it. I have not done it, but a lot of people like it. But Neil was, uh, <laughs> we were talking, in the, I remember we were in the hallway of the comedy store. And he's like, uh, he goes, and uh, I did it. He goes, I thought it was going to be one of those things. You go there, you, it's like, you know, it's mild. He goes, no. He goes, I'm in the doctor's office. I'm fucking tripping balls. Yeah. Like really tripping hard. I was like, really? He goes, yeah. Uh. Like really tripping. Wow. He's like, wow. Yeah. It's kind of like a weird loophole. And he was doing it like two days a week for a while. Yeah. It's a How's he week. now? I haven't talked to him. He's in doing a, good. He's I haven't talked really to him good. since the pandemic. I haven't seen him in a year and a half. Yeah. He's got uh, good new material and uh, weight's good. He was getting a little thin there for a while because I think he went all vegan. Ooh. And, uh, you stopped I, that? I think so. Yeah. Maybe he started lifting weights. I don't know. Hmm. But... Uh, but yeah, he's he's the guy that I always go to for advice on depression because he's done everything. He really has done everything. Yeah, magnets, ketamine. Mm-hmm. What else has he done? Uh, Took a bunch of different. He was the one who told me about five HTP. What's that? Five HTP is uh, it's um, it's like a building block for serotonin. Oh, yeah. I know he does ayahuasca too. Yeah, he's done it all. Yeah, just to try to fix his fucked up brain. It's a, he's an interesting guy because he's so fucking smart. Mm. You know, he's just like, but obviously he's battling that thing, you know, that depression yeah. thing. Right. But you're right. It is a lot of Irish guys have it depression. Is. I don't know if it's the climate being in the, you know, the fucking dank, cold Irish climate all the time. Um, you know, is that did that lead to the drinking? Is it the oppression by the fucking British for 800 years? Right. Is right. it the what Catholic it? Church, right. you know, oppressing us? Right. Or is it just a gene? You know what's kind of amazing? That no one has come up with a really good new religion. <laughs> you know? Let's do it right now. No, but if you think about it, like all these different Lutheran and 
Catholicism and, you know, Baptists and all the, all the different branches of Christianity. Like, yeah, it's been a long time since anybody really busted out with a new one. Dianetics. Right. Yeah. Scientology. Scientology. Yeah, that's Dianetics. Yeah. L. Ron Hubbard. But that's not a good one. Even Mormonism isn't that old, isn't no. it? Wasn't like the 1920s? 1800s. Yeah. 18, I think it was 1820. Oh, 1820? Uh, that old? Yeah. I believe so. I believe it was uh, Joseph Smith. He was 14 years old when he when he came up with it. He had a vision? No, just fucking lied to people. <laughs> <laughs> he was a little liar. A little 14-year-old liar. <laughs> And people believed him. It's such a dumb lie, too. Yeah. The, 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 did you ever see Book of Mormon? Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing musical. Those guys are hilarious. I fell, literally fell out of my chair because I saw it in L.A., and L.A. wasn't ready for it. You know, New York was like, New York got it, but I saw it in L.A., and when they did that song, and it's like 20 minutes in, and the first 20 minutes, they set it up, it's kind of sweet, it's kind of funny, and then they hit you with that song, Fuck me in the mouth, cunt and ass. <laughs> Jesus, fuck me in the cunt mouth and ass. I literally, nobody was laughing. Like, it, it was like, there was like me and 12 other degenerates laughing. And I, fe I fell on the floor. I was laughing so fucking hard. Those guys are so important. Yeah. Matt Stone and Trey Parker are so important to comedy because they've always been pushing the envelope as far as it can go. Yeah. When you think about Team America World Police when mm -hmm. they had that orgy scene or the, the sex scene with the two puppets mm -hmm. and they, they added like all this extra shit because they knew that they were going to make them edit it. Uh -huh. So they had they were shitting on each other and <laughs> pissing on each other. <laughs> and they did that just so that they could edit some of it out. Like they knew, we're just going to take this so far yeah. that when we pull it back a little, it'll still be so crazy comparatively. When they had the, the, the South Park movie and Satan and Saddam Hussein had a sexual relationship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see Satan's dick? It's like a real dick. It's like you're like, hey, what's going on here? It's, it was kind of animated, but it was a photo. It was like a photo of an actual dick. Those guys are so important. Yeah, week in and week out. And they got a rule with Comedy Central, no notes. That's we don't, incredible. They don't take notes. They That's hand, incredible. They don't even show them the script in advance. I think they just shoot it. They send it over. Thank the baby Jesus. Yeah. Because how if you let some... Young woke dumbass executive who just thinks he's gonna like fucking put his greasy little fingerprints all over that show mm -hmm. and fuck it up. Oh, and it's such a cash gap for them; they have no choice. They're right. like, "All right, it's so established. Just give it to us." Yeah, you got to leave them alone. Yeah, that that one that they did about Corona was so fucking funny. I didn't Holy see that. Holy shit, that was epic. Um, I'm trying to think, wait, what the fuck happened? Well, the genius of that show, too, is the puppets. I mean, the uh, the cartoons. Yeah. Because the, you could have them do anything. They could die. Right. They could say ridiculous shit. They could get shot, lit on fire. Yeah. You know, when uh, they, uh, the teacher, the school teacher, had a slut off with Paris Hilton yeah. and stuffed her up his ass? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Or when Randy Macho Man Savage came out as a, a woman, yeah. and was like was winning all these uh, competitions as a woman. Yeah. Oh yeah! <laughs> it's like they can do things yeah. and make them so preposterous. They have like all this extra power. Yeah, it's incredible. Oh no! That the uh, 
pandemic episode, I got I had all these people accuse me of stealing the uh, pandemic episode joke. There was a joke that you and I riffed on on your show. It was about yeah. That was about like what if you what if you got COVID and then you fucked your dog because I, I'm not going to redo it because we did it on the show. But the premise and that's was that's how you got that cured. It cures you, right? So I do that. We riff on it on your show, yeah. and then six months later, South Park does their pandemic episode, and it wasn't the same joke at all. I sent it to you, and you were like, "Dude, this isn't even the same fucking thing," right? Uh, but it was about it was about I think fucking. Uh, Maybe it was fucking the bat, whatever it was. It was fucking something or someone. Yeah, and I had to put out a video showing the date, the timestamps yeah. of the dates of mine and then that one that came out. The amount of fucking people, because you and Segura and Bert all put it out. Yeah. And, and Ari all put out the, my stand-up clip. Yeah. And then it got attacked for being, you stole this from South Park. It's like, the thing that happened six months after I did it? Yeah. Fucking crazy. Well, this is the internet sleuths. Yeah. You know, they're always trying to find thievery, which I guess is good because it keeps people honest. Yeah. But n- not good when trolls try well, to Well, it's just make hard to bad. combat it. It's hard right. because then you just make it a bigger issue if you try to fight back. Yeah, but you silenced it. It went away. I think it, yeah, when I think people it went saw away. the video, yeah. they're like, oh, all right. Yeah. 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 Well, Ari saw the bit. He thought it was hilarious. And then we were, we were sharing it in a group chat. And then we were all like, I think it was Ari's idea. He's like, we should all post this. So we all posted it. That was so awesome, you guys. That's pretty cool. Got so many millions of views. It was crazy. That's the amazing thing about social media, you know, especially if there's a group of guys like Tom and Bert and Ari and me that have like, you know, all told together. Like all those guys have, I don't know what their numbers are, but all everyone together, it's like probably 20 million fucking people. Yeah. It's so many people. (laughs) That's so nuts, isn't it? It There's never been a thing like that. No. Where like, you could get just a group of guys, and they could reach twenty million people mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, with a vid, like, like uh, I, I fucking share Kyle Dunnigan's shit every chance I get. Mm-hmm. No one makes me cry harder than his shit. Laugh so it, but hard. it's the same kind of thing because it's cartoonish. You know, when he does those voice, those face swaps. Uh-huh. Have you seen this fucking sitcom he's doing about Biden? No. The Fresh Prez. You it's, haven't seen it? What's it on? He's doing it on YouTube. He's he's basically doing like a whole sitcom of Biden, and he's the only guy. He, he has a Biden impression that is fucking incredible, uh-huh. and he does vi- Biden with like the face swap, and he has like Ben Shapiro's on it, and all these other pe- all these other people like Bill Maher's on it. His AOC is on it. Have you seen any of this? Damn, play some of this. You just have twenty four hours. I'll be forced oh, to broadcast your son's homemade <laughs> pornos. Like, I'm not hearing it. It's called the Fresh well, Prez. What is that, Senorita? I got you this coffee mug Look with an American balloon on it. It cost thirty dollars. <laughs> I left the tag on it so you can see I'm not a fucking liar. Where's your laptop? We'll get to the laptop in. Oh, that's time. Hunter Biden. But first, I have to tell you something really important. I don't have a laptop. <laughs> but I think I'm falling in love with you for real. What? Don't worry. We'll get through this together. Well, we should probably not play this. Everybody, go watch it. Watch it from the beginning. I used to write on a show for Cedric the Entertainer. It was on Fox. It was a long time ago. And uh, he was like the Jim Carrey of the show. It was an all-black cast. and the, Not all-black, but it was mostly black cast. And he was like the, the crazy white guy on the show. And he, he did so many fucking funny characters. He's great. 
he's a dude that they they were trying to do a Comedy Central show with him, but it's exactly what we're talking about. They fucked it up. Yeah, because he had a whole sketch where Caitlyn Jenner had sex with Trump. You know, because he does Trump, uh-huh. and he he had Caitlyn Jenner riding Trump and fucking him, and they were like, "No way, <laughs> no, like, yeah, dude, it was hilarious." Wow. And they were like, "No way." But on, there's one thing though about when they were doing it on Comedy Central, they were using, I think they were using Doctor Fakenstein. They were using like real face swaps where it was too good. Uh-huh. Like that stuff's better. Like the stuff he's doing now because it's so obviously fake. It's clunky. The lips are out of whack. The whole face looks the weird. Karen laughter. And yeah. yeah, there's something about the obvious fakeness that makes it better than to do a like. Have you seen that fake the face swap with uh, Tom Cruise? No. You haven't seen it? No. You got to see this because this guy did a face swap, like a fake, like a AI. What what do you call it? What do they call it? Deep fake. Deep fake. They did a deep fake with Tom Cruise, and it's fucking incredible. It looks like, like Tom Cruise is talking. Exactly. Yeah. Like, we are, like, a year or two away from not having any idea if someone really said something. Like, watch this. Oh, that's the, <clears throat> that's that's the, the picture. That's the actual guy, and this is the fake one is on the right. But play, watch this. No, that's the breakdown. Uh, Just pl- pl- watch this. When they play the video. It's not a, put, sorry, I wasn't on a good thing for the video. It's okay. It's put put your headphones on so you can watch it though, because it's it's really crazy. See this guy, Tom Cruise face. There it is. Press that. Play. I'm gonna show you some magic. It's the real thing. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's all the real. How good is that? Fuck. It's crazy, right? That's insane. I mean, the guy does a great impression with the voice, but now they can take your voice. Like, they've taken my voice, and there's a a company out of Canada that took all the hours and hours of podcasts, and they have me saying all kinds of crazy shit. Because you can have anything. You can say anything. You can just because you just have my voice. You have all the numbers and all the sounds. Here's another one. It's a little uh, embarrassing. You know, it reminds me, I was once in uh, Russia, ran into... <laughs> he said, you know, Mr. Movie Star, are you nervous? I said, no, Mr. Uh, Mr. Gorbachev, I'm not <laughs> nervous, I don't. He goes, well, remember how much a polar bear weighs? I said, polar bear? He said, enough to break the ice. <laughs> it's the last time I've ever seen Macau Gorbachev. What's up, TikTok? You guys cool if I play some sports? It's wild, right? I mean, it's it's hard to believe. I mean, you could have him do basically anything. So he looks a lot like him, but then they take the this. uh, Yeah, they take this this deepfake technology and they they swap. Tom Cruise's facial features for this guy's facial features, and it all gets done through artificial intelligence CGI. Damn. But what what's crazy is that's that guy's voice. He does a good Tom Cruise impression, but they they can use Tom Cruise's voice. Uh huh. So they like we're someone like you, like you have hours and hours of podcasts out there. They can take you basically all of your inflections, and they can take hundreds of hours of recordings that are available of you. And then they would be able to have you generate 
like a full dialogue. So they mm-hmm. could do, they did this with Bourdain. With his new movie, there's a new movie called Roadrunner. It's a documentary about Bourdain and his life. And in this documentary, they use deep fake technology, artificial intelligence, to recreate him saying things. See if you can find some of that. Is it available? Just They must have like a sample. It's called Roadrunner, and people are f- really pissed off. They didn't like it because it's not really Bourdain narrating his documentary. It's It's... They took all the hours and hours and hours of footage of Bourdain talking and they put it through this technology and they recreated, they wrote a script and then have his voice say the script. Yeah. And they're like, but, but he's not saying that. And they're like, well, you know, sounds like him. Because yeah, this his is going to start world wars. This is yeah, scary. Yeah. It's Wag the Dog. Remember? Yeah. Wag the Dog, they created these fake scenarios, but now they could do it in an insanely realistic way. Like you could have some, they did it with Reagan way, way, way back in the day. Like um, they had, I forget what country did it. They released some sort of a video or an audio recording of Reagan saying a bunch of shit that he never really said. And then they showed it on the news, how they pieced it together from various speeches that Reagan had given. And Mm -hmm. they took the words out of context and smushed it together and, and had him say some things that he never really said. Shit. Yeah, but this Bourdain one, I think, is the first time that they ever had a deceased person narrating a documentary about himself with his voice, but with a script that some other people wrote. Uh huh. Which is, I know. think, he was. I, I from what I, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to find it because it only came out in an interview where the director admitted he did it. So I don't know that anyone's or they've played it out because I don't know if the movie's out yet. Right. Ro- isn't it out? Roadrunner? Well, I'm looking, and it's like it's not, it's not popping up. Like, here's an example of it or anything. But they he they had him read like a journal entry or something like that. He had written. I oh, it's something he wrote. I believe. Oh, so he they used his voice. Well, that's better. Because it's his voice. Yeah. Vo- yeah, it's it's a little still a little touchy because he used it. technology. Um, I know it's available. It could be here. I know it's a matter of time it. till like Ryan Seacrest and people like that are just going to start mailing in their jobs. Just, oh yeah, yeah. Well, the goal of the new documentary yeah, about Anthony. So this is just an interview with the guy talking about that he did it. So there's no, but I think it's out, man. What's well, I'm look. I'm, it's I'm not saying, out. I'm not saying that it's not. I'm just saying I'm looking, and it's not like it's not all over the internet. Like here's the piece of controversial. Oh, just people talking about the. Controversy. But is the uh, documentary out? Well, just f- find out when the the documentary itself gets released. But people that I know that have seen it were like kind of disturbed by it. They're like, "This is yeah, a, that crosses a line." It, it is did, out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. What's it on? Is it just in the in the theaters? Yes, Focus Features released it. Mm, I don't know. Well, you got the you know these concerts now with Biggie Smalls being a yeah. hologram and yeah, I've seen the Tupac um, hologram. He's jacked. It was like Tupac did CrossFit. Oh, really? So, yeah, they made him jacked. Yeah. They gave him like, like looks like an MMA fighter. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, nobody's ever going to die. <sighs> yeah, it's in ah. theaters and it'll be on HBO Max, but they haven't said when. Okay. So it's only in theaters. So there's no uh, actual recording that, that you can That's the tough part. I'd be like, if, it, if that ended up being on YouTube, they're probably getting it removed instantly. Right, so right, I right. I can, I'll try real hard. Yeah, it's just a matter of time. Did you see Alita, that movie Alita? No. It's really good. It's really interesting. It's uh, it's CGI, clearly CGI. Like the girl is like a robot, but a lot of the people in the movie are part robot and part human. 
And it's it's this weird blurry line between reality and this clearly fictional scene. You're watching, you know, people getting sliced in half and their heads still moving and you know they're 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 they they take this robot head and they put it on a robot body, but it looks very. It's they've gone into that what they call the uncanny valley, mm-hmm. you know, between something being a real depiction, like someone watching you right now is real, but they can get so close now. Yeah, they can get it. But this girl in Alita, it's a, like a wild, cool CGI action movie. It was a really fun movie. Robert Rodriguez directed it, and so the girl looks fake, like she's got like big giant anime eyes. But it's close to real. Like her hair looks real, and it's like, whoa! Like we're getting into some weird, strange gray area now. Well, especially if you think of, you know, studios are always trying to cut costs, and mm-hmm. it's a matter of time until they start putting secondary characters in as animated or whatever you call yeah. this. Um, you know, well, I think already... they should do that with children. Just to stop child actors. Oh, that's yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, because like. When does a kid ever come out of that okay? I mean, well, how many of them come out of it okay? Dude, I just rewatched The Shining recently, and that kid in The Shining got fucked up apparently from being around that. I mean, if you if you watch the movie again, you re- there are moments where you go like, how could you have done this to a kid? How could this kid have been exposed to this insanity? Mm. And uh, and the guy he never really acted again. He and he was great. Do you remember how good he was yeah. in that movie? He kind of like. I think he stuck around Hollywood and he, uh, he he went out for stuff and he auditioned and nothing ever really happened. I mean, this was like a major movie that Huge. he was a star of. And then he, I think now he's like teaching at a community college in like Oklahoma or something. His life just kind of ended. Yeah. You know what's funny? If you said, I know this guy, he teaches at a community college in Oakland. You'd be like, oh, okay. Or yeah. Oklahoma, whatever. Yeah. Be like, oh, okay, guy's got a good job. Right. But if you're like, oh, he used to be a movie star, and now his life's over. He teaches at a community college yeah. somewhere in Oklahoma. That's true. It's like, it's weird. Mm-hmm. It's like once someone is, uh, it's almost like we know that this guy did something that no one gets to do. He was mm-hmm. starring in a movie. So to do a thing that everybody can, or that some people do, you know, a regular job. Like, oh, my cousin, he's a professor yeah. at a community college. Oh, normal guy, mm-hmm. normal job. That's a regular job. Mm-hmm. Not a movie star, though. It's weird. Like, we, like you, you would not feel bad if you found out a guy was a professor at a college somewhere. Yeah. You know, oh, normal job. Mm-hmm. But a guy who used to be a movie star as a child and is now a professor, you're like, oh, his life's over. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Meanwhile, like, was that life, you know, day to day, was that a good life for him? I mean, he, that movie shot for like a year Kubrick had them shoot for a fucking year and he was doing like apparently the take where the woman I what the fuck is her name uh, who was the star she had to swing a baseball bat at Jack Nicholson while he was coming at her Yeah, and they shot it 158 times it's in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most takes of one fucking shot and he was trying to beat her down because he wanted the character to look despondent and insane and so he he very very um you know, uh, forcefully created that. Uh, Shelley Duvall. Oh, uh, Shelley Duvall, yeah. And she had trauma from it. To this day, yeah. she talks about the trauma she had in that movie. I was reading a story of an interview with her. Like, she kind of vanished. Yeah. And then they were interviewing her, and she sounded insane. Yeah. I think it pushed her over the edge. I think that movie fucked people up. 
Kubrick was a strange guy. Yeah. Do you know was. he would do complex mathematics in his spare time? Really? Yeah, he's like a legitimate genius. Wow. And he would put all sorts of like weird hidden meaning into all of his movies. Like a thing was never just a thing. Like a, a there's there's a big crazy conspiracy about the shining that inside of it is all sorts of uh, information that uh is it relates to the moon landing. Yeah. You yeah, know like room yeah, the room yeah, like the, the room the in the Apollo hotel. Shirt. It was yeah. room one twenty seven and the moon is hundred and twenty seven no, thousand no, no, miles no, no. from the earth or something. No, it's it's like two thirty seven. Two yeah, whatever the, it was. The moon is yeah, the moon is like two hundred I think I think it's room two thirty seven, right? Yeah, two thirty seven. That's the documentary on it. The the moon is well, it depends on what time of the year and where, but it's between two hundred and thirty seven and two hundred and sixty five thousand miles away. Well, and they say that he directed the the fake movie about the fake moon landing. Well, that's the that's the big conspiracy theory. What is the thing in the the, the circle with the Jack Nicholson picture there? Oh, there's the uh, the coffee. What does it say? It's the coffee. It might be the coffee. They Calumet. For Calumet. What does that mean? What is Calumet? And then the other one, you go up, scroll up, you see the circles. There's rockets oh. on the wall. Uh huh. Sort of. That is, that is, whatever that is. Yeah. Strange. Yeah, there's, but he was into weird shit. He was a, I mean, he was a a legitimate genius. Yeah. Like Eyes Wide Shut, that's another fucking strange movie. He did a lot of strange movies, man. Yeah, he did. Well, did he do Clockwork Orange? Was that him? Yeah. That was Kubrick. That was. Full Metal Jacket documentary. That whole thing they shot in London. Really? Because he didn't want, he wouldn't leave his home. Really? So they made, like, the second half of the movie is supposed to be in Vietnam and, like, some area in part of England. Really? Yeah. Wow. He wouldn't leave London. Fuck you. I'm staying here. But but this <laughs> movie's supposed to be in the middle of the jungle. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's right here. Here's yeah. the jungle. Fuck yeah. off. Right. <laughs> Damn. He did some wild ass fucking movies yeah, though, man. He did. 2001. The the I the this conspiracy theory about him directing the moon landing was that he was doing it at the same time he was doing two thousand and one. So because he was faking this space movie, okay. two thousand one, a space odyssey, that they used him to fake the moon landing footage. Uh-huh. And there's a fake documentary, not a real documentary, but a fake like a mockumentary where he's admitting. And people are talking about. Uh-huh. Have you seen that one? No, but that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, the, a lot of people are like, dude, you didn't even know. There's an actual real interview <laughs> with him where he admits that he faked the moon landing. Uh, but it's not. Yeah, it's just it's fake. But it's. Were you ever on the uh, in the camp of the moon landing was fake for years? Yeah, yeah. It's one of my favorite all time conspiracies because it's so strange that we never went back. I, I abandoned it because I don't know anything about astrophysics or space travel or any of that stuff and the people that do think it's real so i'm like okay well most likely they think the landing really happened yeah yeah but there's so many weird things to it there's so many there's so many weird things with the photographs and there's like intersecting shadows that indicate different light sources there's all sorts of weird flag waving yeah it's weird shit man there's a lot of weird shit the fact that uh this is the only time in human history that something is not cheaper, easier, and faster to replicate than it was in 1969. Mm-hmm. Between 1969 and 1972, there was seven trips, six successful, where they went to the moon and back. And uh, every, every space flight since then has been like near-Earth orbit. Mm-hmm. You know, Everything is like 
you know, just a few miles up. It's not they don't they don't go like they did then. I mean, I think everything since then is like three hundred miles. Mm-hmm. Every human travel, you know, like space shuttles and stuff like that. They they never go that far. Yeah, they never go into deep space and come back. The only time they came back was during the moon landings in the sixties, when they were lying about everything. Yeah. The thing is, like Nixon was president back then. It was like it's so romantic we're bombing to think, Cambodia and yeah. It's so romantic to think that they faked it. Also, here's another reason. If you watch the post-flight press conference, and again, I'm not saying that this is what's this is actually what's happening, but it seems completely like they're full of shit. When they come back, it seems like they're lying and they're nervous, and they ask them about the stars and and again, I'm I'm not on the camp <laughs> that they faked it, but. Uh, there was, uh, you know, Buzz Aldrin, Neil Armstrong, and um, Michael Collins. And Michael Collins, they asked him about stars. And in the press conference, he's like, uh, I don't recall seeing any stars. Problem with that is, like, Michael Collins never left the lunar module. He wasn't supposed to be one of the guys that was on the surface of the moon. Mm-hmm. He was up in the, the craft that was circling, you know, those in orbit around the moon. And then later... When he wrote a book about it, he talked about how magnificent the stars looked. Uh-huh. So he has inconsistencies. So the, the, the hoax people point to that. They also point to the inconsistencies of the, uh, the actual movement of the astronauts on the moon. Like uh, there's videos that make it look like they were on wires. There's videos that Yeah, there's like the back of down, his suit they, is being pulled yeah, by yeah. something. It's weird. Mm-hmm. But again, like when was the last time you saw someone in one-sixth Earth's gravity? Maybe, that's just, maybe things just look weird. But there's a video of them where it looks like they're on trampolines. It's very strange. They're bouncing around on the surface of the moon, like literally, and you can't see their feet, or they're like hidden behind equipment. They're just bouncing up in the air, and you're Mm -hmm. like, it's fun. It's fun to think that Kubrick faked it all. It is. I remember I, uh, because I quit drinking, uh, God, thirty years ago or something, and I and I quit smoking pot for twenty years, and then I guess twenty years later I got high. In Nebraska, my friend Ross Broccoli is his name, and he's a conspiracy theorist, drug head, who's a farmer. And he <laughs> sat me down in front of a computer, and he got me high and showed me all this moon stuff. Every, pretty much everything you just said, he just kept showing me clips after clip. And I didn't fucking sleep that night. I was just laying in bed going like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. It's on TikTok now. TikTok, there's a resurgence in moon hoax moon landing hoax uh, talk because uh-huh. of the kids. Kids are watching TikTok videos, you know, because it's real clear, like 30-second bursts where they get to see some wild shit that looks like they didn't really land on the moon. Yeah. But it's uh, it would be a fun thing to think that the government pulled the wool over everybody's eyes like that. Because also, like, when you look at the first, like, Apollo 11, first time guys landed on the moon, that was one of the first times that they didn't get a live feed like they 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 forced the um, news cameras to film to point their cameras at a projection screen, and they got you know the video from that of these guys bouncing around on the moon. Mm-hmm. It's very weird. Yeah, it's weird. It would be hilarious if it was faked. It really would be so appropriate when you think about how strange our culture is and how strange our relationship with the truth is when it comes to like. Our politicians and so many things, and also one of the weirder things about the moon hoax. See if you can find this quote it's from Bill Bill Clinton's book. 
He's got this book uh, called, I think it's called, uh, I think it's just called My Life. Um, and he talks about how when he was young, he was working on a construction site. And it was at the time where the Apollo 11 flight took place. And he was saying, isn't it incredible that people landed on the moon? And he worked with this old carpenter. And I'm paraphrasing this. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe we could find it. Does it say here? My life. Yeah, there it goes. He goes, just a month before, Apollo 11 astronauts Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong had left their colleague Michael Collins aboard Spaceship Columbia and walked on the moon. The old carpenter asked me if I really believed it happened. I said, sure, I saw it on television. He disagreed, and he said that he didn't believe it for a minute, that them television fellers could make things look real that weren't. Back then, I thought he was a crank. During my eight years in Washington... I saw some things on TV that made me wonder if he wasn't ahead of his time. Uh-huh. That's a crazy thing for a president to say in a book about his life. Not, for sure we went to the moon. He didn't say any of those things. Mm-hmm. He said, I saw some things on TV that made me wonder if he wasn't ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. So he's t- literally talking well, look about at all the information the that's coming out now about uh, UFOs. And yeah. what didn't Obama say something to the effect of like he saw things when he was in office that made him question? Well, that's a completely different thing, right? Because then you're talking about suppression of information rather than a whole Creating fake, it. yeah, a whole fake production, right? You know, the uh, the fake production thing is really compelling because this is also during the time of Operation Northwoods. And Operation Northwoods was a plan that was hatched out by the Joint Chiefs of Staff, signed and vetoed by Kennedy, where they were going to hoax all these attacks in the United States to get us to go to war with Cuba. Mm-hmm. They were going to blow up a drone jetliner. They were going to arm Cuban friendlies and attack Guantanamo Bay. They had this whole production laid out. Mm-hmm. And they were going to do this to try to get us to go into war with Cuba. Mm-hmm. And then you go back to like the Gulf of Tonkin incident where they like pretended that we got attacked and they had this whole thing that led us into Vietnam. It was yeah. a fake attack. Right. So they were used to doing fake shit during the same era that they supposedly faked the moon landing. And again, I'm not saying they faked the moon landing because yeah. I did say they faked the moon landing for years. I argued vehemently. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, was, I was even on Penn Jillette's show and I argued with this astronomer. And I, I actually had some fucking pretty decent points, unfortunately. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's great. Because like, like, like Werner von Braun, the guy who is the head of, of NASA, was a Nazi, like a real legitimate Nazi. He was taken from the when when you know you know United States won World War II, they took a bunch of Nazi scientists because they were very advanced. And they uh, brought them over and hired them for NASA. It was called Operation Paperclip. It's all well documented. And Werner von Braun was one of those Nazis. He was a legit Nazi to the point where the Simon Wiesenthal Center said that if he was alive today, they would prosecute him for crimes against humanity. He would hang the five slowest Jews in front of his rocket factory in Berlin to force people to work faster. Wow. I mean, he was an evil fuck. And he was our head of NASA. And that was the guy that we brought over to get us to the moon. And, you know, if you pay attention to so much from that era, it makes it so, it's so desirable to think that this is, you know, that this is what happened. Mm. It's also you, the climate at that time with the Cold War. I mean, mm-hmm. in terms of what, what the stakes were in their minds of, yeah. of, the, of the Russians coming ahead of us, it's a completely believable that they would make that effort. 
they did fake some stuff too. I'm not saying the United States did, but other people did fake some stuff back then, like uh, the video footage of uh, was it Yuri Gagarin, the first guy that went into space. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying they didn't he didn't go into space, but the footage of him going to space looks so fake mm -hmm. because if you look at the actual capsule that he was in, it was so small. But if you look at the video footage of him in space, it looks like there's lighting in there, and it looks like uh, the like the cameras. It looks like he's faking it. It's very weird. Like people have questioned, they they haven't questioned whether or not he went into space. They believe he went into space. But the actual video footage that Russia provided to show as proof of him in that rocket, they think was mm -hmm. pure propaganda. Well, the, I mean, I guess the biggest stroke against it is that the fact that how many hundreds of people would have to have shut up and been complicit in this lie. Yeah, but back then there was no internet. And mm -hmm. like, even if you got it out, I mean. And people were loyal to their government jobs. They didn't, they didn't talk. That, it's real likely the government murdered Kennedy. Real likely, mm -hmm. real likely. Yeah. You know, there's, there's definitely somebody did and it wasn't just Lee Harvey Oswald. Mm -hmm. I think Lee Harvey Oswald was probably in on it too. It may be, like people want to go one or the other. They want to go lone gunman or they want to go vast conspiracy. Mm -hmm. I think lone gunman, I think Lee Harvey Oswald was a patsy. Like he said that when they got him, you know, he's like, I'm just a patsy. I think they were probably trying to pin it on him, but I bet he was probably involved as well. Mm -hmm. I think they had it set, I think he was an idiot and they, they had him set up. They had, he had gone back and forth to Russia multiple times, Right. had married a Russian woman. Like he probably was intelligence. Mm -hmm. There was probably a guy that they had, just like this fucking Governor Whitmer thing of in Michigan. You know this whole thing? Yeah. There's a plot to kidnap the governor. And it was like, oh my God, these oh, white yeah, supremacists yeah. Yeah. were going to, these Trump supporters. Turns out 12 of them were FBI informants. 12 of them. Six defendants, 12 feds. Uh huh. So, like, literally, the feds organized it. They planned it. They acted it out. They, 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 they did all of the plotting and the planning and brought over some fucking idiots. And then they said, look at this plot we stopped. Bitch, you started it. No shit. Yes. So they were just trying, it was a giant entrapment scheme. Exactly. Mm. And they've been doing that forever. They've wow. been doing that forever. Who's to say they didn't do that with Lee Harvey Oswald? Mm -hmm. It's probably what they did. Yeah. Tom O'Neill needs to look into it. Oh my God, he's the best. Yeah. I'm so glad. Everybody, uh, if you know, uh, Greg is the one who told me about Tom O'Neill, the officer, the uh, uh, author of Chaos. He was and my- One of my favorite podcasts of all time. No shit. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. He's a guy who's, um, you know, he's he was my neighbor in Little Italy for years. He lived next door to me and I knew him way before he started writing this book. Not way before, but I knew him for five or six years before he was before he went completely insane and uh, chased <laughs> down this story. And um, he is the, the thing that people don't realize about that when they think that, oh, he wrote a book for 20 years. Yeah, I've been working on a novel for 20 years. No, I live next to him in Little Italy, and then I live next to him in Venice Beach. I walk my dog every morning, and at 8 a.m., that motherfucker was sitting at his desk typing. And if he wasn't there, he was in a car that I gave him. I gave him a, a fucking Volvo 240DL that was dead. I was like, I go, I can junk it or give it to you. He would drive it into the desert for days and talk to these guys that were like ex LAPD that knew shit that mm -hmm. were on their deathbeds that were finally willing to talk about how much cover up was going on with the Manson case. Yeah. He was, he was on it like a fucking dog on a bone Forever. for 20 years. And the, the result is incredible. The, the CIA had 
this is documented without a doubt. They had studies that they were doing with with LSD. And they were doing them in prisons. They were doing them in brothels. It was a thing called Operation Midnight Climax. They did it in brothels. It was uh, MK Ultra. Yeah. They did all these experiments with people, including Jack Ruby, mm-hmm. the guy who killed Lee Harvey Oswald. That guy, uh, Jolly West, is that his name? Yep. Yeah. That guy went to visit Jack Ruby in jail, and Jack Ruby became completely insane after that guy visited And there him. was no reason why... why uh, uh, Jolly West would be allowed in that fucking jail cell with him. He was not, there was no protocol that would allow that guy in his position to visit a prisoner of that stature at that time. And that was the guy in the CIA that was running the LSD program. And he went to visit him. And then after he met him, after he talked to him, he, He Jack Ruby went completely fucking insane. So if you're going to have a guy and you're going to have a guy kill Lee Harvey Oswald for you and you tell, saying, listen, man, don't worry about it. You're going to do this. We're going to get you off. Don't worry. And then right after he does it, you dose the fuck out of that mm-hmm. guy with acid. And For he loses his mind. Yeah. Loses his mind. Yeah. And like completely went insane. They they knew what they were doing, man. Yeah. They ran that whole fucking uh, free clinic in Haight-Ashbury where they were giving LSD to Manson and all the, the, the fucking family members. Mm-hmm. That place was running for decades until Tom's book come out. Mm-hmm. When Tom's book came out, Three months later, they closed that place down. Yep. Like, yep, our work here's done. Mm-hmm. Pull up the fucking stakes. Let's uh, get this tent out of town. Yeah, yeah. My and wife's it... mom went to that clinic. No shit. Yeah, she lived in Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco. She remembers that clinic. It was like a real legit clinic. Wow. Yeah. And they were dosing people out of that clinic. Yeah. And, that's, and they were providing Manson with LSD, and then they were getting Manson off every time he got arrested. Yeah. So he got arrested multiple times. In multiple states. Yes. It was national. It yes. wasn't one local guy. And all the sheriffs had the same thing. This is above my pay grade. Mm-hmm. We had to let him go. Yeah. It's wild. It's wild. And you don't realize how wild it is until you get into Tom's book. It's one of the best books I've ever read mm. and one of the best podcasts I ever did. And yeah. it was all because you, like, you've, never, you've never suggested anybody for a podcast before. No. And you said, dude, you got to have this guy. Right, on. right. And, and was, young Jamie had, had listened to it and was... Uh, yeah, I mean, he's it's it's the kind of thing where there's a second book in there. I mean, he he initially got a deal to put the book out, and he took so long to put it out that they sued him to get the money back. And yeah. it was a lot of fucking money. And so all of a sudden, Tom was like teaching English as a second language in a community college. He was Uber driving, and he but he kept writing it. Even though the money was gone, he kept writing it. <sighs> And then all of a sudden, he got interest, but they said, if, you're, if we're going to give you a deal again, we're going to give you a co-writer. And so he got, and I'm, I'm, I'm remiss in saying the guy's name, but he paired him up, and in one year, they took thousands of pages, and they collated it into one book. Oh, uh, Dan, Dan, Dan Piperbring. Pipenbring. 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 And, uh, Dan, and, change your name. That's a ridiculous. But name. they had to. Sh- they had to get rid of so much. There's another book in there, and I That's think wild. there's. Uh, I can't announce it, but there is talks right now about a television or film thing oh, they happening. Did, they absolutely should happen. do something. Yeah, but it should be a series of movies. It's you know, yeah. like, like a Netflix sort of deal or docu series. Yeah, yeah, it can't just be one. It's too complex. Well, because it has to not only involve the Manson findings, it has to also involve. Tom's journey, yes, and how many people lied to him, and how many people shut him down, and he just kept coming at them. And then the prosecuting attorney, who was out of his fucking mind, the the, the prosecutor rather, 
was the guy's Bugliosi? name? Bugliosi? Yes. Who was out of his fucking yeah. mind. Thought his wife was having an affair with the milkman and tortured the guy. Tortured the guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a crazy fucking yeah. story. Right. It's an amazing story. And and Tom is so good at telling it, too. Having him on, I was fucking riveted. Yeah. And then I had already gone through the book before I had him on. So having him on and knowing all the shit that was in the book, it was, mm-hmm. it's wild, man. Yeah. It is so wild. And that's the same time period, man. Mm-hmm. The same time period of full deception. Yeah. I mean, the government was involved in so much deception. Intel back then. Pro, right? Yeah. Is that what it was? Cointel Pro. Cointel Pro. Yeah. I mean, Operation Midnight Climax was a part of this MK Ultra program too, where they would go to brothels and they'd have two way mirrors, and these prostitutes would sit down with these guys who thought they were just going to get sex. And you want a drink? Have a drink. And mm-hmm. they'd give them a drink, and then didn't a guy jump, up out, jump out of a window or something? I'm sure. Yeah. I don't remember, but I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. People kill themselves all the time when they get dosed up like that. Mm-hmm. You know? That's a a crazy thing they were doing back then, yeah. man. Really crazy. And the yeah. fact that he found all the documents that supported this, all the you know, the the evidence that the CIA had done all this stuff, all the MK Ultra shit. Yeah. And it all disappeared. All <laughs> all the paperwork from all those years of that program just disappeared. It's crazy. Yeah. That's our government. Yep. Just trying to keep us safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're here to keep them honest, though, Joe. <sighs> well, not me. Tom, he did I it. know, but you highlight people like him, that you, these voices of people that are challenging stuff. Well, it's important for people to know that what you see on the news is a show. Mm-hmm. And that what's going on behind the scenes is real complex. And yeah. it's been going on for decades and decades and decades without any oversight mm-hmm. without any supervision and there are people like that jolly west guy or like those people that are running mk ultra like the people that ran operation midnight climax they were doing that shit for years with impunity they yeah. could do whatever they wanted and they were taking a guy they were taking a guy like charles fucking manson they they treated him with lsd in prison they got him out and supplied him with lsd and taught him how to turn people into killers mm-hmm. taught him how to get people to do whatever the fuck you want them to do and manson was pretending he was doing acid with them and they were all tripping out and manson was like steering them and leading them and molding them it's wild and shit. there was a murder before the manson murders that mm-hmm. they covered up that they yep. knew about and they they knew manson was connected to it yeah you gotta folks get it Get the book. It's really good. Or listen to the audio tape. The audio tape is fucking amazing, too. The audio book. Yeah. Have you heard any of this? About Whitey Bulger being invo- in, uh, involved in that, too? No. Was Whitey Bulger's murderous life down to LSD testing by the CIA? No shit. Wow. Num- notorious Boston criminal Whitey Bulger may have been driven to murder by LSD experimentation in the 1950s, according to one of the jurors who convicted him. Wow. Just, the article said that in the trial for him that... When he was in Atlanta, he had uh, been given it over 50 times Whoa! during the same time period. So I don't know if, like, Jolly West was talking to Whitey Bulger, too, or what. Or what. Wow. Well, that made yeah. sense because he, he was an informant. Yeah. You know, Whitey Bulger was an informant while he was murdering people, mm-hmm. which is crazy shit. Yeah. yeah. You know, Dana White, the president of the UFC, yeah. he had to leave Boston because Whitey Bulger's thugs were trying to muscle money out of him. No shit. That's when he went to Vegas. Wow. Yeah. 
That guy was running organized crime in Boston. One of my students was a hitman for Whitey Bulger. Really? When I was teaching Taekwondo. So you, you trained a hitman, basically. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I remember he asked me. He goes, if you're going to kill somebody, wh where would you hit him? What's the best place to hit someone if you want to kill him? I go, the neck? I go, probably the neck. He's like, yeah, I think so, the neck. I was like, oh. <laughs> this is a guy that I, I didn't realize at the time. He was uh, he wound up being a fucking hitman. Wow. Yeah. Did you keep in touch with him? No, but he was in, He kept coming to classes. He would train. He was fucking serious, too. He was very intense. Like, you know, wasn't like a very flexible guy. Like, you know, he wasn't like the best athlete, but you could tell. Like, he was training with an intensity, like a guy who was probably going to use this. What was his background? I don't know. I mean, he was some kind of a fucking criminal. Yeah. But he wound up going to jail. I remember did. that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he got arrested. Yeah. I don't know exactly what it was for, but I think it was for murder. And he, he wound up, but I know he was a hitman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he just wanted to learn hand to hand combat while he mm -hmm. was fucking shooting and stabbing people. Wow. Do you remember um, Warren McDonald's brother? George. The other brother, Kevin. Oh, right. Kevin went to jail yeah, too. That's right. He was a part of that whole thing. Uh huh. There was a lot of organized yeah, crime my going friend, on. Yeah, uh, my friend Mary, her dad was a bookie for Whitey Bulger for all those <gasps> years. Yeah. Well, he stayed wild. on the right side of him, though. It's so wild that it was all connected. Yeah. That it might have all been connected to LSD and the mm -hmm. CIA and the FBI. and so, uh, Looking through a different article in the Boston Globe, there's another attorney that says he would have used that for a defense for Bulger if they'd have known it, but... It came out later in like letters he was writing to this juror. So maybe that means wow. it's not necessarily true, but maybe it means it is true. I know that's what he said. It was when he was in uh, his first stint in jail in Atlanta, he was given it. So maybe it was like the same thing they were doing with other prisoners. He I think they know, did. Or... They probably did that with a lot of prisoners. They did it with Manson. Why would we ever believe that they only did it to Manson? Especially if you get some fucking murderous organized crime leader. And you got him in jail, and you know he's some piece of shit killer. Yeah. And you're like, let's see what happens. Well, didn't it start over in Vietnam? Wasn't it got, they were using it to depro? I think there were prisoners of war that had come back. Maybe it was from the Korean War, actually. Yeah, it was the Korean War. And they had come back, and I think they were deprogramming them from— uh, they, they had been brainwashed by the Koreans to give false statements to the press, uh, you know— talking about the u.s really and uh and so i there it is brainwashed yeah. new book on interrogation during the korean war sheds light on how the 20th century imagined prisoners of war wow yeah so they used that same uh methodology uh and the fbi said well the, the, we can create war machines we can use lsd and these techniques to create soldiers that'll do exactly what they're told and have no conscience well, Greg, we cracked it. They faked we the moon it. landing. We did it. They faked the moon landing. <laughs> they created Whitey Bulger and Manson. That's our government. Cheers. And Tom O'Neill's going to write a new book about all of it. Yeah. Uh, well, I do really hope that they do some sort of a Netflix series. I think yeah. that would be fucking amazing. Let's bring this home, young Greg Fitzsimmons. Can I give um, you some dates? Yeah, please do. All right. I'm going to be coming to you people uh, August 6th and 7th. I will be at Bananas in uh, Rutherford, New Jersey. And then I'm going to be coming to, I, I mentioned Golden, Colorado. After that, Grand Rapids, Michigan, August 19th through 21 the at the uh, 
Yeah. Oh, there we go. That's Punchline in Sacramento. Great fucking club. September 16th through 18th. Yeah. I fucking love that place. That Punchline in Sacramento's classic. Yeah. Classic place. Yeah, it's fun. Go um, see Greg. He's fucking hilarious. Sunday Papers is the podcast with Mike Gibbons. Every Sunday we rip through the Sunday Papers section by section. It's blowing up. It's getting big. Nice. Yeah. It's funny. Oh, thanks, man. I watched man. a bunch of clips. You oh, and Mike cool. together are great, too, because you're such good friends. Yeah. It's very funny. Yeah, it's great. We have a blast. And then Fitz Dog Radio and Childish, my other two podcasts. All right. Staying busy. Staying busy. Yeah. That's it. Goodbye, everybody. God bless. God bless. Praise Odin. <laughs>